baby. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Aid Radio. Hope you're doing well. It is Saturday, mid-August of the 15th of the year of the third millennium. So I hope you're doing well. Stardate Pi. And uh, here we are this evening. Just a reminder, freedomainradio.com slash donate to help out the show. Uh, to all of you uh, Bernie Sanders fans, you're welcome. And uh, we do have a rebuttal video coming out. I did. I get. A, I got a whole bunch of, of uh, rebuttals uh, to to what I was saying about Bernie Sanders. And um, you know, first of all, feel the burn. Not that new or intelligent anymore. Just my particular two cents. But uh, we'll be putting that out. You might want to check out the truth about welfare. And oh yes, we have the truth about South Africa, which is our current abusive relationship with data uh, that is going on. <laughs> at the moment. Hey, let's record um, it. Oh no, look, another horrific statistic. Let's hold right. off. Oh, when Come will on, we're, at the, we're at the 700th layer of hell. I'm sure below is just, me- no, 701. Deeper. And going down. Deeper. Now, yeah. by this pace, we'll, uh, we'll have it released in about three and a half years. Uh, it'll be six hours long. At which long. point, it will be a giant smoking crater hole on the, on the foot of the planet. So, yeah, it's rough. But uh, necessary and important information. Also check out, please, um, uh, the Fall of Ferguson, which uh, contains information relevant to you, even if your name is not Ferguson. So um, I hope you will uh, you will check that out. Mike. All right. Well, if you listened to the last show, you would know that our call got cut off with John. We were talking about health care and R versus K. And uh, we're going to pick that call up right where we left off. John was kind enough to put together... A little refresher question, and it was, how can we raise the next generation to respect the body, health, and mind in order to reduce the future financial burdens placed on our society through socialized medicine? And that's kind of in the context of R versus K tendencies. So, Right. Well, I mean, in, if there is socialized medicine, then you simply won't get those financial indicators that will help you maintain better health, which is not that important for smart people. But it's more important for the R's, uh, for the people who don't have that uh, unease about future uh, problems uh, in their system. Uh, so it's sort of like, how can we make communism efficient? You can't. You know, I mean, communism is supposed to be, you know, we're all pulling together. Everyone is going to work hard no matter what. But um, it just doesn't work out that way. And as long as you have socialized medicine, expecting people to behave rationally uh, as they would in a free market system, I think is a is a fantasy. If we could figure that out, um, you know, you could create any system that you want. Pure cannibalism with love, you know, it just wouldn't wouldn't make sense. But go ahead. Hey, Stefan. Hello. Thank you for that um, concise response to my question. We we we, we kind of covered that at the top of the call on Wednesday. Um, but first, before I forget, I wanted to express my gratitude to you and Mike and Stoyan uh, for this was before Stoyan came aboard, but for producing that Colin show titled Asshole Proximity Disorder. <laughs> you remember right. it like from two April's ago? That's actually one of our most downloaded podcasts, believe it or not. I'm always curious, like, OK, what title did it this time? But. People seem to love that one, and there was some good content in there in addition to the title. Well, as you know, we you know we try to come up with themes for the show ahead of time, and uh, this was, if we did a philosophical gay porn video, what would we call it? And uh, Mike won on that one, of course. He's got a whole, obviously, a stack of them. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. I thought it was a good show. Yeah, it wasn't the title that really caught my attention. It was definitely the content of the first call, um, how... Uh, 
I, I believe it was in the context of social drinking mm. and uh, not being accepted by the people around you. And this uh, this gentleman would would drink to fit in with the muggles. And after listening to that show, I thought really hard and long about my behavior with uh, alcohol and recreational drugs and that whole scene. And I realized looking around, I didn't have a whole lot of real friends. I was surrounded by assholes. So I made some changes and almost 15 months later, after I quit drinking, I have completely new sets of friends and I'm 150% happier about it. So that was, That's a real, great. that was a real pivotal moment for me. I, I know I took the, I took this, the requisite steps for the, that self-knowledge, but uh, that show really opened my eyes. Yeah, I had a friend um, who, when he was younger, would, uh, was involved in sort of a, a, a pothead crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to pretend to be so stoned he was looking for his feet, and that used to make everyone laugh. And, of course, he was just basically making it up. Um, but every single time they would get together and have marijuana and uh, all that. Uh, although, to, you know, to be fair to the marijuana crowd, uh, a, um, a pipe found in Shakespeare's backyard has been found to have marijuana residue in it. So it could be that the barb was blazing up. The bard was blazing up in order to create some of his most memorable works. So I, I put that out in the interest of, um, uh, of balance. And I remember also... Um, there's a kind of funny thing about um, drinking and socializing in that after a while, socializing often is reminiscing about last, the last times you drank and what happened. So it becomes like this big <laughs> circular thing. Let's get together and drink to talk about anything important, anything personal, anything relevant, anything to do with self-improvement. No, let's get together and drink so we can talk about the last time that we got together and drink. And I remember when I was on a volleyball team, once there was uh, these guys who... Uh, one of them, uh, his 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 favorite story about himself was that he had dozed off at a party with a beer in his hand, and he woke up and grabbed his beer the moment that someone tried to take it away from him, thinking that he would fall asleep and it would it would spill. And that that was like his his most his favorite story about himself that how he was so attached to his beer. That boy, God, you'd better not take it away from him when he was uh, napping because he'll wake up and grab the beer. And this was considered to be good. This was like a a plus in this social sphere to be that attached to your alcohol. And uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, for uh, my perspective, that sets up a situation for him where absolutely no one will question his drinking. Because uh, there's a there's a certain edge or anger to it. Like, ah, don't touch my beer. Yeah, and also like if if it's that wired into your physiology that you will even hold on to your alcohol while you're asleep, I don't think that's a big plus <laughs> as far as addiction goes. And this guy was a pretty constant drinker. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we shall we dip into the the yeah. R versus K and how how it applies to. Uh... I understand that the, with the gun of socialized medicine in the room pointed at everybody, there, there's not a whole lot of good financial choices that we can make. But I think that the K's out there can do a lot to educate themselves. You know, stay up on the, the current 
studies and, and the books that come out and follow, um, you know, nutrition and fitness, uh, hit the gym every once in a while or um, encourage their children to be active. That would um, put us in the right direction towards a society that doesn't need socialized medicine. Well, yeah, I, I think um, I'm still working on the complexities of the relationship between the R's and the K's. And just very, very briefly, people should check out the gene wars. But um, R's are animals that evolve to a situation where they have basically infinite resources, like rabbits with grass. And the only thing that limits their growth is predation. So they don't learn to self-limit. Uh, and anybody who tries to deny them any resources is just considered to be a jerk and, and, and is raged at because there's no limit on the resources outside of predation, which generally they can't do anything about. So they have uh, early sexuality, low investment in children, single parent households, promiscuity. Uh, and of course, you can see this in particular segments of human society. The Ks, on the other hand, are more complex, bigger, generally predatory. Uh, and uh, they have uh, pair bonding for life, usually heavy investment in their kids, um, late sexuality so that you can prove your worth before someone uh, mates with you uh, and so on. And um, I don't think, as I said before, I don't think that these two mindsets or gene sets, really, I've got in part two of Gene Wars, we talk about the uh, the the genetics and epigenetics of, of how this work, I don't think these gene sets are, incompa are compatible. I think that we can look at them as two subspecies of human beings. Wow. And in, in biology, uh, two subspecies never inhabit the same area for long, right? Like I remember when I was a kid, there were these beautiful red squirrels that, that you would see, and then the black squirrels moved in. This is nothing about... <laughs> <laughs> nothing about race. The rap squirrels, the black squirrels moved in and, and the red squirrels just vanished because you, you simply cannot have two of the same sub because they're both trying to get the same resources and all that. So I, th I think that these are opposing species. R versus K. And I think that the best way for, I'm not trying to dehumanize this. I'm just telling you how I'm thinking about it. I don't have any final answers, which is why part three is taking so long to put together. I'm still mulling it over. But I think that um, uh, the ball weevil comes to mind, uh, not just because it's a fairly good Harry Belafonte song. The ball weevil is a, is a, a parasite that I think feeds on cotton in, in the South. And um, so you put all of this work into creating these crops, right? You, 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 you clear the earth, which takes forever. You ever tried to, have you ever tried to uproot a tree? Like it's madness. But yes. um, yeah, I mean, it's insane. Like, I mean, I think that this is actually why there is such a thing as an airstrike. It wasn't actually to get rid of enemies. That just came later. Uh, I think basically they just got so frustrated with trying to get trees out of the ground that they just said, damn it, we need airstrikes. Uh, and <laughs> I think that's the plan. And, uh, and then you've got, of course, you, you've got to plow the earth, you've got to turn the earth, you've got to seed the earth, you've got to guard the crops from, from your uh, predators, the birds and, and uh, all of that. You've got to weed. Uh, and, and so after a, a ridiculous amount of work, you end up with corn <laughs> and so on, right? And um, I think that uh, we, the K's build up the civilization. And then the civilization makes excess resources available, which then provokes the R response, where saying no to anyone becomes being an asshole. Uh, having standards becomes being an asshole. And uh, you can see this, like the poor in the Roman Empire, they weren't out scrounging, there was bread and circuses and so on. And so the K's built up the civilization, which is like clearing 
the woods and planting a farm and creating a farm. Massive amounts of work. And then the Rs come along basically like ball weevils, like uh, locusts, and they just start consuming everything. And what they do is they, they work to disarm the um, control of empathy that is the characteristic of the Ks. The K uh, people, they, uh, they feel empathy, but they have a, the capacity to, to control their empathy, to, to reject the commands of empathy. Uh, ours, they're just bleh, empathy, right? This is why socialists are just sobbing and rending their teeth about the poor, right? Because just like, oh, they're all just victims, right? Well, of course, ours are victims. It's a victim mentality. Rabbits are victims. They get eaten. Deer are victims. They get eaten. And the case have the physiological response of empathy, but they have higher order functioning which can intercept and push down that empathy, right? So let, let me ask you a question if that's all right. Shoot. Do you know anyone who's really not liked by many people? Yes. All right. You want to know who now, the person is? No, and that's not particular. Oh, yeah. Just, just think. Give, give me a name. It doesn't have to be that. Just not their real name, but. Oh, I was going to say it's me. Well, but no, you have friends, right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I have too many close ones, though. Right, but that because... doesn't mean you're disliked. Like, dude, I'm talking about like Boo Radley guys, like the guys who they they live at the end of the street. Maybe they're kind of old. They're crotchety. Uh, you know. Don't you kids get that ball over my fence or I'm throwing it in the sewer. You know, these mean, crotchety old, old guys. Um, just nobody likes them. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not old yet. So, but I, I, I definitely, okay. Is I that definitely the only think, difference? Okay, I def- remind I me never to play a ball. Remind me never to play ball near your house. But. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally not like that. Um, but it, it, it's been an evolution. I, I was headed that direction. Oh, good. Okay, good. Okay, let me let me try another scenario then. Uh, do you live in a house or, or flats, apartments? Yeah, apartments. Okay, so let's say someone knocks on your door. And how long have you lived there for? Fifteen months. Okay, someone knocks on your door, and they say, "Listen, I'm sick. I need. Uh, I need um, money." for for medicine right and you know probably you'd say something like hey don't you have insurance no i just and pretend oh no obamacare whatever like no i i never I, I never really bought insurance i have this fantastic gaming rig i can play like uh starcraft 2 at like maximum resolution like finer than the human eye can possibly determine you need an electron microscope to find the pixels on my screen which is half the size of my wall i got this excellent gaming rig i just never quite got around to getting health insurance and now i'm sick so i kind of need your money and what would you say i would say that having the gaming rig was short-sighted and when that person could have educated themselves, taken better care of themselves, bought insurance. Okay, so let's let's pretend do, I'm. Do you want I'm to do a guy. role play? Yeah, let's pretend I'm this guy. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. What was you? John? Right. Okay, I knock on the door, and you answer. Hello, John. Is your name John? 
It's Jonathan, actually. But how are how are you, Who Jonathan? Can we be on a first syllable basis? We live in the same building, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! That that sounds like a bad cough. <laughs> hey, man! I'm sorry about your wall. You can clean that up, right? You might want to put on some rubber gloves before cleaning that up. I have some. <laughs> that, is that phlegm? <laughs> I think That's, actually, let me, just tuck, let me just tuck the lung back in, man. <laughs> you shouldn't really be sagging out like that. All right. So, man, listen, I uh, I got this good, cool gaming rig and stuff, but, like, I'm sick, and I don't have any health insurance, so, like, can you, like, lend me a couple of thousand bucks for some medicine, man? Condo buddies, man. How How dear is that gaming rig to you? Uh, I like it a lot, um, but uh, it's real proprietary, and I, I can't sell it or anything. Uh, and I wouldn't get that much money for it anyway. Not enough to cover my my medicine. I need I need, I need the medicine, man. Come on. Really? Because I, I I think you could I think you could totally get at least fifteen hundred for it on Craigslist. And yeah, it, but I it, need it, I need like I need like five thousand bucks, man. Oh wow. Yeah, I, so, I can't help so, you. Oh. you know, I mean, you wouldn't want me to die, right? No, no, I, I, I don't want you to die at all. Excellent, excellent. I'd like, okay, I'd like to so see you like, take I'll, care of yeah, no, I will, I will. But like, just give me, yeah, give me the money, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get it back to you sometime, unless like. Radeon upgrades or some ATR. Anyway, so just like if you can just give me, I, I like cash. I don't want like checks and stuff, but if you can give me some cash, uh, I will go and and you can come with me, man. Like I, I want you to understand, I'm not like going any place. Like I'm not going to, to get drugs or anything. I just I just have that kind of voice because like I'm a stereotype. But uh, uh, you can come with me to the doctors and and maybe you can just pay directly. But I really need this medicine. So thanks, man. I can't. I can't afford to give you cash. I, I don't have it on me. Um, oh, that's okay. I can wait. But I do have some. Of the <laughs> uh, there, there are websites where you can, you can basically internet panhandle, go fund me, tell your story. People will. People are always looking to help others, strangers. I can help you oh, set man, it up. That's great. You know, that's great. So you give me the money and then you do the GoFundMe. Like, I don't know anything about that stuff. You're clearly like an expert. You give me the money and then you can use the GoFundMe stuff to get that money back. Like, just say that it's for the guy who lives in the building who needs stuff. Well, no, I, I, I can help you, but I, would th I think it's important that you take the initiative to yourself i mean you're i don't think i'm well enough and i kind of need it i kind of need it now they said i gotta get the medicine today i don't have time man i i'm, I'm trying to do my best i mean that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of effort i i mean i we're we're, we're not we haven't been on a first name basis long even though we're neighbors but i uh I, i'd like to see you get healthier I just can't front you five grand in cash like that. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, that's just the well, first of all, sorry, man, John. My name is Cheesy McSnakefingers, but uh, uh, I just like I need it today. I, I like I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die if I don't get a medicine today. Uh, I, I can't. Like I mean, I'll pay you back, man. It's just I, I left it too late. I, I 
I had a nap. Uh, I got confused. Um, you know, uh, the new Skyrim came out. And next thing you know, I'm like the doctor saying, you got to get the medicine today, man. So do you want me to die? I'm going to die. I, I can't get the money from anywhere else. There, there's got to be a way where there's a will, there's a way. I just can't, I just can't front you that kind of money. I'm sorry. Now, and that's great. So if, if this guy did die, what would your thoughts be? Because this is the question that is always asked of the case. Mm -hmm. What no, if it, people die in the streets? It's heartbreaking, Stefan. Uh, the scenario is uh, we're out of the role play now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The scenario that you painted up with uh, cheesy McSnake figures, fingers, um, he makes it sound so urgent, but I have a feeling that there were many signs, many signposts along the way down his path towards dying on my doorstep. And, right. and, and, and no, and, no one, no one was assertive with him. Like I was trying to be, well, maybe I didn't do a good job, but, um, well, and, and here's the thing though, is that civilization can only survive if people are allowed to fail. Right. Like in the winter, you had a certain amount of food and you, 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 it was rationed, right? Like in, in, in Europe or where in, in Asia, it was even worse, Northern Asia, Siberia, and so on, where the Asians developed. But in the cold climates, you have a certain amount of food, right? Now, you've probably heard this fable, the grasshopper and the ant, right? Like the ant works all summer storing up food for the winter and the grasshopper is just, you know, playing Van Morrison on his guitar and swimming and having a lot of fun. And then the winter comes, and the grasshopper starving to death and the ants like, come on over, right? That's not how civilization works. I'm not familiar with that fable in particular, but I... Well, you, you get the idea, right? I, I get mean, the idea. There's a hardworking the ant and there's a lazy grasshopper and then the ant has food for the winter and the grasshopper starving to death and the ant says, come on in, I'll share my food with you, right? But that's not how civilization works. Because that destroys civilization. Like, for instance, people who don't buy health insurance, well, they can rely on people's love and affection, you know, or whatever, right? But if they've alienated their family, they don't have any friends, nobody likes them, they've never put an ounce of effort into their social relationships, they haven't bought any health insurance, they've left things too late, and so on. Well, in, in the K society, well, that person may well die. But the point is that if you, buy the, if you pay for this guy's bills, healthcare bills, he's going to go tell all his friends, and they'll be like, well, shit, I'm not going to buy health insurance. Right? This is what happened. Why is American health care so expensive? Because they passed laws years and years ago saying you can't reject someone for pre-existing conditions, which basically means wait until you get sick and then buy health insurance, which is ridiculous. The whole point of insurance is you can't have to wait till the disaster occurs. That's like buying fire insurance when your house is currently on fire. Just that can't work, right? Exactly. And so... We, we want to help, right? We want to help. But if you, like, when civilization was evolving, if you let five people into your house over the winter who didn't contribute any food, you'd all starve to death. So you had to say, I'm sorry, we won't help you. 
because my children are more important than you. My family is more important to me. That's how evolution works, right? You have to, you have to, I mean, it's just weird that we have to be reminded of this but because we've become so against all of this. But that's how evolution works. And so you had to say, I have sympathy for people who've contributed, right? So, uh, you know, Amish communities, right? The, the guy, he's, he's up there. He's helping you milk. He's helping you plow the back 40. He's helping you repair your fence. He goes and catches your sheep if they run away. He helps you build your barn. And then he gets sick. And everyone goes over and they take care of him and they pay his bills and they make his food and they clean his house until he gets better or he dies, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have sympathy for those who contribute. But for those who don't contribute, now it doesn't, they they may have contributed somewhere else, but those who haven't contributed to our farm, to our community, keep on walking. Can't help you. We have no relationship. You've not contributed anything to me in the past. And civilization requires that I say no to you. And the people say, oh, would you let people die in the streets? And it's like, first of all, we do that anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have anything, Jonathan, in your house that is even remotely extraneous to your survival? Um, You mean not necessary to my survival? Yeah. A ton of things. Right. So I've been trying to slowly get rid of them, but yeah. But, but so what that means, of course, is that you have killed a lot of starving people in the third world by not sending them food. So this idea, no one can die because of my preferences, is like, well, if you've got underwear, you've just stolen a meal from a hungry child in India. That's why I don't, anyway, it's another topic for another time. But so civilization, to sustain itself, requires that... We say no to people. And this used to be very well known, right? The 18th, 19th century. Like I got a lot of my ethics from these sort of 18th, 19th century novels, wherein if if the woman had sex and got pregnant out of wedlock, mm-hmm. her life was a disaster. And this was so ridiculously commonplace before the welfare state. Like we really can't remember this stuff that much anymore. But that's how civilization survived. The idea of the heroic single mother was back in the day like the noble Nazi. Like it just, it, it was incomprehensible. Now, of course, that's, that's all changed because the R's have overrun civilization. And R's feel such an overwhelming sense of hysterical over-empathy that anyone who says no is just a cold-hearted beast. But you say no because civilization gets destroyed if you say yes to everyone. I mean, this is just one of these things that we have to keep learning over and over again as a species. Yeah. You know, like, sorry, go ahead. I don't remember the exact details, but I remember reading that back around this time in the 18th century, uh, maybe it was Lloyd de Mouse's book, the one that you narrated where, where, women that had children either out of wedlock or if they had too many more than they they could take care of, they would take the child to a place and they would, it was supposed to be an, you know, an orphanage, but then they would quietly dispose of that infant. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously that's not my particular goal at present, but because there's lots of people, you know, w women who work more than 40 hours a week have a pretty tough time conceiving children, right? Because their bodies assume that they're in some sort of panic stress mode and kids are not a good idea, I assume. But, uh, you know, why are there so many single moms? It's like, well, you can't afford your children. So you need to give your children up for adoption, right? I mean, if, if I get a dog and I can't afford to feed it, I give the dog up for adoption. I mean, I'm not comparing children to dogs and so on, but just this idea where you'd rip the children away from the mothers, it's like they can't afford them. Now, maybe their grandparents or, or the, of the kids or someone can come and help or the church or whatever, but you have to be very careful because if too many m women have single, uh, have kids while unmarried or without a, a father who can provide for them, um, society falls apart. Right, so this, this saying no to individuals is the hallmark of the K. Now, ours, they have no rabbits. I mean, why on earth would they say, don't eat that grass? It's like, we're never going to run out of grass because, you know, a quarter of us are going to get eaten before uh, any of that, that happens. So we're never going to run out of grass. Why would you ever say no to me? You must be a complete asshole. Because when you live in the fantasy of limitless resources, anyone who says no to you is an asshole. Right. And this is why, like with the Bernie Sanders thing and, and others, it's like, oh, Hillary just dropped uh, $350 billion to help students. Of course, she took $2 million in speaking fees from a couple of universities. That might be one reason why they're a little bit more expensive, Hillary. But um, uh, when you live in a world of limitless resources, anyone who says no to you is crazy. And this is why I have to keep pointing out to people, there's no such thing as free. There's no such thing as free. Reminding people there's no such thing as free is saying, we live in a K-universe even if you're R-selected. We live in a K-universe even if you're R-selected. Everything has, there's no such thing as free. It's got to come from somewhere. And, of course, fiat currency and debt and all that creates these limitless, like, why wouldn't you want to, why, why wouldn't you want to give people free education? What kind of asshole wouldn't want to give people free education? Like, they, the, the R mindset just genuinely and generally cannot fundamentally emotionally conceive of limits it's not how the because because any r selected organism that said oh i better not eat too much grass would not do that well would not have as much energy would not be able to reproduce uh, and so on right and so for the the people on the left who are generally r selected when you say no we can't have all of this stuff like it's not free Resources are finite. The economics, right? Founding principle of economics, all human desires are limitless. Human desires are R, but reality is K, which is why you need economics to, to allocate. So when you start to talk to people about opportunity costs, uh, it's really hard for the R's to, to get it. And so I think that we have to look at civilization as a very hard to grow and extremely hard to maintain crop. And R's are like the jackdaws and the ball weevils that are just going to strip it bare and make everyone starve to death. So I don't think that there's much, I don't think there's much capacity to convince ours. We've got a, a presentation coming out in the next day or two called The Death of Reason, which is part of this. I think we just have to look at them as enemies and we have to harden our hearts because we are entering into the winter of our civilization and there ain't enough to go around. We're totally on the same wavelength now or you're reading my brain how much coffee did you drink before this show <laughs> i actually um, had a a 
a double coffee. So uh, yeah, three, I got a three, Oh, okay. Just go and I'll keep talking. No, I had I had three cups and um, no, I've hardened I've hardened my heart, like like the the role play that we had with um, I can't remember his name, Slimy McFingers. Uh, oh, cheesy, I have, cheesy, cheesy McSlamfingers. Uh, McSnake fingers. Uh, no, this is very important. Cheesy McSnake fingers. Okay. <laughs> it was Not to be coming name. to a McDonald's near you. <laughs> What's he doing with the Happy Meals? Oh well, no! It, it, it breaks my heart to see someone in dire straits like that. And and when I when I look around and I see people that are just that have let themselves go to a point where it's like you're morbidly obese. Um, find help like somebody there's got to be someone out there that wants to help you and um i i I wish i could just walk up to these people and start talking to them like that but if if they ask me about me and i have a conversation with them about health nutrition fitness and wellness and all that i don't think the morbidly obese person is going to have a fun time having that conversation with me because the whole time they're going to see exactly what you're explaining all those opportunity costs so in um ours have very little genetic preference k's are fiercely protective of their own genetics and the reason being that if k genetics slip the k species is doomed Right. So um, as you probably know, there are more negative mutations than positive mutations. And therefore, every time you remove a pressure on, um, on, on genes and reproduction, then you end up with dysgenics. Like the natural tendency of any genetic organism when it reproduces is to get worse, which is why you need these sort of fierce Darwinian. And it doesn't mean like killing anyone or anything, obviously. Right. I mean, it's just so. Ours have very little genetic preference, which is why they have sex early, barely take care of their kids, because it's spray and pray. It's just, you know, have 100 eggs, have eight rabbits a minute, and just, you know, whatever, they'll do whatever they do, right? They have very little genetic preference, right? And so the Rs, who are generally leftists, say, let's have an inheritance tax. And the Rs are like, no. And the real reality of the R's is that money is for my children, you assholes. I worked hard to save up this money to give it to my children. Well, that gives them an unfair advantage. No, you work hard, you save up, and you give the goddamn money to your children, you bunch of weasel bags. But so it's, 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 if the case were to say, fuck off, it's my money. You can ask me for it. But don't come over here with guns and for God's sakes, don't even try and tell me that me working hard and saving for my kids is somehow a bad thing. They're my kids. I prefer them over your kids. If you want to go help your kids, you get off your ass, put down your bong and go and get a second job like I did. But the, the, for the R's, the K's preference for their own genetics is incomprehensible. And that's why, and, and I'll give you another example. This is sort of a preview of um, Gene Wars Part 3, right? On the left, they're fine with abortion in general, right? On the right, the Ks are horrified by abortion. On the left, 
they're like, eh, it's just a bunch of cells. On the right, it's like, it's a human being, for God's sakes. This perfectly fits into R versus K, because the R's don't care about their kids that much. So they're fine with abortion. For the K's, they have fewer kids, and they heavily invest in their children. Each child is precious, so the idea of aborting a child is horrifying. You know, you go take a rabbit. Mama rabbit won't care at all, right? Go and try and take a wolf pup or a grizzly pup. You ever heard that thing? Do not get between a grizzly mother and her cub, right? So you go, you go take, you go have a, you go take a, a, a rabbit pup. My mom's like, I don't care, right? You go and try and take a wolf pup or a grizzly pup or whatever. I mean, they'll flay you alive, right? And that's why abortion on the left, they're like, I don't get it. It's just a bunch of cells because we're, we are selected. We don't care that much about our offspring, which is why on the left, they can say to women, ah, oh, yeah, you go, go to work, put your kids in daycare. Because the, the only people who listen to that are people who are selected, who just, they don't have much of a bond with their kids. But on the case, they're like, oh man, are you kidding me? I'm not putting my kid in daycare. It's my kid. I want to raise that child, which is why generally on the right, you see people pulling their kids out of government schools because the values of the government schools go counter to their values and they want to raise their kids outside of propaganda and so on and they really want to invest in their kids. They're willing to do all of that. But the R's are like, oh, it's great. Send them off to government school. They can be latchkey kids. We just, you know, doesn't really matter. I mean, if you look down the whole political spectrum, it's very, very clear just how this stuff plays out. Anyway, I don't want to get into it in too much detail. I'll do a whole presentation on it, but... Uh, no, I mean, the, the R's and the K's are, are fundamentally enemies uh, insofar as it's win-lose. If the R's win, civilization collapses. Uh, when, when, did you first, uh, when did you first start toying around with this idea? Because I, I, I remember you on a Peter Schiff show talking about the difference between um, how leftists and conservatives react to different issues. Like if you show them a picture... If you show both groups a picture, different parts of their brain fire up. Like, um, I think you said that the the leftists have a... Oh, the rightists, sorry, the the conservatives have a very strong disgust reaction. Oh, I I thought it was the opposite. No, the conservatives have a very strong, have very strong disgust reaction. They're very aversive. uh, And the leftists basically don't have much... uh, uh, reaction and of course people on the left think that this is inappropriate and primitive and so on right but uh, no i mean you need to have a negative view of people in order for society to survive this egalitarianism in the left is because rabbits don't really care there's not much positive um selection for rabbits can you run can you eat can you fuck can you make babies okay you're good to go right there's not like super rabbit there's no vor- and that's why the Vorpal Bunny in, in Monty Python movies is so funny, because it's, it's like if it was a Vorpal Bear, that'd be a little scarier, right? But the, the selection pressures on the case, you know, are very, very strong. Can you instruct your kids well? Can you uh, hunt together? Uh, can you uh, decide to act? Every time a rabbit's hungry, it just goes out and eats some grass. But if, a, if um, a wolf is hungry, it better start planning a long time ahead. A long time ahead. Uh, which is why the further you go north, the more case-selected people tend to become because when there's food everywhere, you pretty much are selected. But when food becomes hard to get, hard to maintain, hard to grow, hard to save, hard to keep uh, and has to be doled out, then you have to become more anxious about the future. 
And so the fact that, um, that Ks have a stronger disgust response to negative stimuli, well, sure, because they need to have that wall between them and the Rs. And they have to say, we don't share the resources with the Rs. Because otherwise, we're breeding Rs, which kills us. Right? You don't see a lot of, uh, a lot of bunnies out there making sure that the wolves are healthy and strong and bringing them food, right? You don't see a lot of um, mice out there uh, making sure that the, uh, the owls, the baby owls, learn how to fly and fight really well, right? And so Ks have to have a strong disgust reaction to say no to people who want to consume without production because they are the predators of the Ks. And if you don't have a strong disgust reaction, it's like, oh, it's too bad. You know, cheesy McSnake fingers, here's $5,000. Holy crap. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a disaster. That undoes civilization, you know, and, and people can get mad at me and all that. But facts are pretty clear. I mean, just look at what's happening with the welfare state. The R's are overcoming the case. So K's have to be disgusted at the women who have children without a means to provide them. You stupid, stupid human being. How incredibly destructive can you be? Sex is not just for your fun. Sex is a big person's game that makes real people. And if you had a child without the means to support it, oh my God, what, what an unbelievable jerk you are. What a horrible human being you are. I find you contemptible. Right, I've just did um, 15 reasons to date a single mom. <laughs> right, because I want to remind people that it's okay to be disgusted by people who make terrible decisions. And the fact that a mom becomes a single mom does not make her, in my view, a disgusting human being. A human being who should be shunned or a human being who should... Like, that does not make me... Because, you know, yes, mistakes happen and all that. It's not that there are single mothers that is horrible. It's that there's an entire industry out there which praises single mothers. That's the horrible part, and that's what I'm fighting against. Not any individual single mom in particular who might have made a mistake uh, and all that, but just the people who cover up the fact that it's disaster for the children and make these women heroic. And, and, and see, for, uh, for the R's, fathers are kind of irrelevant because... They don't really invest that much in their kids. Because if, if resources are limitless, why the hell do you want to train your kids to do anything? It's not like you need to hunt grass if you're a rabbit, right? If resources are limitless, just have tons of kids and they'll all, whatever, right? It doesn't matter. And so, you know, a lot of people were saying to me in that video, oh, well, Steph, you say that kids need a strong male role model, so these guys should... Guys should date the single moms to provide the strong male role model to the single mom's kids. It's like, it's not the man's children. Why would you want to put all this investment into not your genes? And for the R's, that's incomprehensible because we're all the same. Rabbits are rabbits are rabbits. Low quality. Why would you want to differentiate? You know, it, it's literally like for, um, 
for genetic preference to occur in the R universe is like you and I going up to a big bucket of identical golf balls and saying, no, not that one. Oh, God, not that one. Oh, no, that one. No way. That's got dimples. Well, they all have dimples, but I don't like the look of those dimples. Get me another one. Not that one. It would be like, just take one. They're all the same. And that's what it's like for the R universe when it comes to kids. For the K universe, it's very strongly selected. And the idea that you prefer your own genes in a K universe, incomprehensible. That you might want to earn money and leave it to your kids. Well, it's incomprehensible. It doesn't make any sense. Kids are interchangeable. See, kids and, and parents don't matter. See, so, so kids, moms can go back into the workforce and then strangers can raise your kids in daycare and it doesn't matter because moms don't have values to transmit to their children. They're just giant blobs of food production, which can be formula or breast milk pumped in a fucking plastic bottle and they wipe asses, their boobs and hands. Interchangeable. Everything you're saying resonates with me on some very personal level. I, uh, I've narrowly avoided, um, I've had some near misses with our selected women <laughs> and, uh, I've had to harden my heart, um, against my family of origin in particular, uh, because I, I, I see, I see my father and his family heading in a very um, unsustainable direction. Right. And, and there's a genetic incompatibility there. I mean, it's a genetic or epigenetic. It doesn't really matter at this point, right? Whether it's genetic or epigenetic, the effects are done and can't be undone. It's a genetic incompatibility there. My, my family and I, we, we, family of origin, we cannot understand each other. Like we have different brains and opposing brains because the R's always want to strip everything from the K's because you see reality has limits. So if you say to the R's, oh, go and, right, go and do, go and get your stuff if you want it, right? No, right? They know that reality is, but, but the, the, the generosity and, and, Empathy of the K's is the resource that they're mining, right? That's that. Provoke empathy. Pretend to be K. K's have sympathy for genuine victims, which is why everyone who wants free resources must forever and ever pretend to be a victim because that appeals to K's. Because K's have to select against people who make bad decisions, but they have to select for people who accidents happen because it's just and it's fair and accidents do happen, right? And so everybody pretends to be a victim, right? Which is why the single moms, this is the big, the big conflict that this show has with the single moms, which is the single moms say, it's not my fault. Oh, what about the dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men want sex and women are the gatekeepers. Welcome to the fucking animal kingdom. And, and I watched this show the other day of this, this female frog, right? The, the frogs make all these sounds. They have to be pretty loud because they have to be heard over the insects, right? And she tries to get to the loudest frog because that means the strongest and biggest frog to have her babies with, right? And she's climbing up this tree and look, it's like <laughs> raining frogs on her. Like all the male frogs are just diving on her and she's just <laughs> helping her way, right? 
and trying to get to this. And, and so, yeah, the, and she's saying no to the other frogs and pushing them off. And the other frogs will have, I mean, this is just the animal kingdom. Men want to have sex and women have to say yes or no. So the idea it takes two to tango. I mean, come on. If it takes two to tango, who pays dinner all the time? Anyway, but um, so saying to, to women, you chose to date, to have unprotected sex, to carry the child to term, to keep the child. So it's your choice, your responsibility, 100%. No! Right? Because they know that if they're given moral responsibility, K's will select against them. But if they can claim to be victims, that's the loophole into the K resources, right? That's the speak, friend, and enter Gandalf line that opens up the minds of Moria to the infinite K resources. It wasn't my fault. And K's are just, so they say, well, that wasn't your fault. Bad stuff happens, so we'll, you know. But the moment that K's get that it is your fault, well, then they will not give you those resources, right? And you can see this with the black activists as well. It's not our fault. It's UK's. You, you people did this to us. Slavery, Jim Crow, racism, it's you, right? And so the K's are like, well, you know, gosh, I guess our ancestors did bad things and we got it because they're fair, right? They're just, right? They don't realize that a lot of times they're dealing with people who've got no ethics whatsoever and they're just trying to say whatever they can to get resources. And uh, society will absolutely fall apart uh, if, if the K's don't uh, recover their, their standards. Because ours create um, such a, uh, the illusion of such abundance through taxes, borrowing, spending, and all that. They, they, create, they do create this illusion of the infinite fields of grass with no predators. So what happens is the population grows. It grows and it grows. Like you get rid of the natural predators called limitations of money. And it's like what happened with rabbits in uh, Australia when the dingoes were gone, right? All chasing Meryl Streep. Rabbits just multiplied until they all starved to death. So what happens is when the R's start getting political influence and, you know, the original protection of the case was, well, you can vote, but you've got to have some property first. Because you, if you don't have property, you're not going to be invested in low taxes and strict property rights. Because if you don't have property and you get to vote... You're just going to vote to take away everyone else's property and we're all going to end up starving. So that was the original restriction in, uh, in that. And when women, of course, got to vote, well, we did a whole presentation on this, so we don't have to get into this in, in more detail, but this accelerated socialism uh, enormously. And so what happens is the, when the R's get control, they just compulsively consume because that's what the R genetic mindset does just compulsively consumes. Rabbits will never stop eating. Why, why bother? And so what happens is population grows. Population grows like crazy. If single moms had to be responsible, keep their legs crossed, not insert their stilettos into their hoop earrings uh, whenever uh, somebody comes by with a mustache and uh, a beer, if they, or if they had to pay for their own abortions, or if they had to give up their children for adoption or whatever, that would be a pretty horrible experience, and there'd be way fewer people in the world, because single moms would avoid that. Not even to say, if you keep pumping out kids uh, in a socialist system, they magically turn from that which consumes resources to that which produces resources. It's magic, right? Uh, because the government will give you forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year just for having kids. In other words, kids become a crop rather than a consumption. 
And so you end up with a vastly, a vast extra population. When the R's get political power, you get a huge growth in population, which then becomes unsustainable because there are just few, few too people working and few too many people consuming. Normally what happens is it becomes, it goes to war. It just goes to war. You've got to get rid of this excess population, way too many R's. We're going to introduce this giant predator called conscription and throw a whole bunch of bunnies into the fire because otherwise we all starve. That's the traditional way of doing it because of WMDs, it's not really possible to do that anymore. And this is why we're stuck in this mess. But there is, I mean, there has to be a big depopulation and it's going to be brutal. And the Ks are going to have to say, man, we, we told you all along. You know, if, if you have a, a guy who keeps smoking and you keep telling him not to smoke and he gets lung cancer and he wants to take one of your lungs, nope. No, I'm sorry that you're going to die. No, you can't have one of my lungs. It'd be ridiculous. You know, a guy goes uh, uh, skiing without goggles or whatever, whatever is going to harm your eyes, right? Gets his eyes poked out by a tree branch, just like, hey, man, I told you to use those goggles. Yeah, you got to live with an eye now. I'm not going to give you one of my eyes. I'm a victim. Nope. <laughs> no, you're not. Or if you're a victim, right, like if, if single moms, if they say that they're mere victims, it doesn't have to be single moms, it could be anyone. If they say, oh, we're, we're just victims, it's like, okay, then you don't, you don't get to vote. Because... If you don't know how sex works, you sure as hell can't know how the economy and foreign policy works. If you, if you think that you just had a child by accident, then you'd have no idea what cause and effect is. So how on earth could you possibly have the intelligence to vote policies in a complex post-industrial economy? Well, you can't. You could totally segue this into the second call because it's about voting, I believe. All right. Is, is that, I'm sorry to, this stuff has been cooking in my brain for a while, so I'm sorry to give oh, you a Oh, right, break, right. But. Yeah, every, every time I had a question, you answered it without me having to ask. It's really strange. <laughs> strange experience. And it's like I've, my I've questions said, were coming across the ether, and you just grabbed them out of the air and answered them. And can I just give you a tiny rant here? Oh, yeah, go for it. Rant away. Because the constant cry of the people who claim victimhood is, where's your sympathy? Where's your empathy? Don't you have a heart? Where's my empathy? The fuck is your empathy? Where is your empathy for all the people who have to work overtime to pay your bills? Where is your empathy? And our women are supposed to be, oh, they're so empathetic. They're so feeling. They care so much. Their hearts are bigger than their heads. Really? Where's all the empathy that the single moms are supposed to have? Where's all the empathy for the people who are forced to pay their bills? Forced to provide them with health care. Forced to provide them with dental care. Forced to provide their kids with school lunches. Because, you know, sandwiches are tough. Where's, there's, where's this fabled female sympathy for all the men and women who have to get up early and work late to pay for their lazy, highly reproductive, photocopy idiocy asses? Where, where, where is the empathy of the people who now expect everyone else to pay for their stupidity at gunpoint? Where's their empathy? Hey, if people are empathetic towards me, I pay like for like. Because that's fair and that's just. But I am not an empathy whore. 
I am not an empathy whore. That is disrespectful to empathy, and that is highly disrespectful to the people who've actually earned my empathy and my sympathy. There are people who've contributed, who've been kind to me. I'm kind in return. I'm empathetic in return. Fantastic. But if you've never done me a kind deed and you've had your hands in my pocket through the power of the state, lo, these many years, and you've never even said, I'm really sorry about this, but thank you so much. No. Fucking lefties. Fucking Bernie Sonderbots. Richard Bay! Okay, so you have no empathy. <laughs> you have no empathy. You have no empathy. Rich didn't earn anything. CEOs get 300 times what the worker gets. It's like, okay, well then... Go and offer yourself to do the CEO's job for only 299 times what the worker gets paid. You'll make a fortune. Oh, you're not getting that job? It's a little tougher than you thought there, scrumptions? No. I pay like for like. People bring empathy to my table. I bring empathy back to them. If people are just predatory and scream at me and say, privilege this and mail that or whatever, fuck them. They've shown their hand. This is not going to be a negotiation. This is win-lose. And when K's correctly identify the win-lose, you don't want to be between the K and his victory. All right, let's move on to the next caller. Please, thank you very much, Jonathan. Great questions. Thank you, Steph. Yeah, thanks, John. And congratulations on quitting drinking, losing all that weight and everything. That's, uh, that's a big accomplishment, so congratulations. All right, up next is JP... And JP wants to tempt us with the ring of evil. Um, <laughs> he wrote in and said, In the spirit conjured through your not-so-recent podcast, an atheist apologizes to Christians. I've asked myself to evaluate the value of specific institutions that have evolved throughout Western history, and have concluded that humanity has a bad habit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Those qualities of Western culture, the institutions that grew, the wealth that we enjoy today relative to the past, evolved from Enlightenment ideals and a Protestant work ethic. Today's conservative party holds the late 19th century capitalism and 1950s home life as the gold standard and pinnacle from which we have descended. Assuming, of course, that a politician actually aspires to do what they say they are going to do, why not ride the political wave back to the previous state of affairs that marked those times and then work towards positive moral change going forward from there? It would seem to be a much easier task than trying to convince an ever-growing R-selected population to think logically. After all, Martin Luther was able to change Christianity for the good without destroying the institution. Why can't we? It sounds crazy, but let's vote Republican. <laughs> That's from JP. <laughs> You know, if it, if it still sounds crazy at the end of your argument, you might not be making the very best argument, right? It should sound sane by the end of your argument, right? Oh, let's vote Republican, huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you but, want me um, to? Hang on, hang on, hang on. But social spending, government spending in particular, goes up under Republicans and economic growth is lower. Is low. Okay. Um, I don't know. Then how does that pan out? Looking at history with the, the Democratic, Democratic Party, just comparatively. Oh, yeah, Mike, you can look this up. I just saw this the other day. <laughs> I like my giving Mike these challenges. Mike, <laughs> crack out your web foo and find this really complicated data. By the time I finish this sentence, I'm almost out of breath. Go, go, go. <laughs> but um, no, it just economic growth higher under Democrats. Economic growth is higher under Democrats. And um, 
the spending on social programs, entitlement programs, goes up under Republicans. Uh, so the idea that Republicans are going to follow their own stated goals, I mean, God heavens, I mean, war is a social program, war is welfare for sociopaths, and um, uh, of course Republicans are fairly keen on war. Uh, just off the top of my head, right? I mean, uh, George uh, Bush's uh, uh, prescription drug program costs, I don't know, whatever, hundreds of billions of dollars um, a year. But uh, there is uh, massive amounts of government programs that are put in and maintained by um, the uh, uh, the Republicans. Um, so here we go. Here's, uh, here's a, um, a quote. The U.S. economy not only grows faster according to real GDP and other measures during Democrat versus Republican presidencies, it also produces more jobs, lowers the unemployment rate, generates higher corporate profits and investment, and turns in higher stock market returns. Indeed, it outperforms under almost all standard macroeconomic metrics. In a paper released recently by the National Bureau of Economic Research, Princeton economist Alan Blinder <laughs> and Mark Watson dug into dig into data stretching back to World War II to measure the magnitude of the gap in economic performance during Democratic and Republican administrations and to discover the reasons behind it. They found that, that the gap in economic performance was startlingly large. They write, dot, 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 just waiting for the next bit of data. Oh, sorry. They write... <laughs> <laughs> they wrote the quote that I gave you first off. They write what I said earlier. <laughs> now, did they come up with any reasons for this? I'm looking. Uh, uh, just um, off the top of my head, it would probably be um, that um, the Democrats can restrain spending without opposing the Democrats, if that makes any sense. Like Bill Clinton can institute welfare reform without the Democrats screaming at him because he's a Democrat, right? Uh, so what explains the better economic performance under Democratic presidents? Binder, sorry, Blinder and Watson identified two. Mike, stop pasting. <laughs> it goes off Skype. Hang on. Uh, identified two factors, oil shocks and increases in what's called total factor productivity as the main culprits. Nixon, Ford, and George W. Bush were unlucky to have that in their presidencies coincide with large increases in oil prices. While Democratic presidents, with the exception of Carter, served during a time of flat or falling energy prices, a dynamic that can provide a big boost to the domestic economy. As for total factor productivity, this is a measure that economists use to gauge the economic effects of things like improvements in education, technology, and business processes. Democratic presidents were apparently lucky enough to preside over the economy during periods where advances in technology had a huge effect on the economy. The best example of this dynamic is the rise of the internet during the Clinton administration, when uh, many processes were made more efficient and the economy more productive by the development of that technology. Political scientists have shown that the performance of the economy is one of the most important factors for voters when they head to the polls. If the economy is doing well, the incumbent will likely win and vice versa. But Blinder and Watson have shown that the economy has the president has little effect on the economy. Economic performance is determined by factors that are largely outside the control of public policy, or at least the kind of policy that is directly controlled by the commander in chief. Now, another reason why you might see this behavior, which again, just off the top of my head, is that let's say that the Republicans put in really good economic policy programs, right? As we all know, when you Let's say they privatize a whole bunch of stuff. Well, that throws a lot of government workers out of a job, which increases the uh, unemployment, right? 
And there's a fall in the economic productivity because there's a transition from one form of ownership to another. Or let's say they kick a whole bunch of people off the welfare rolls. That increases unemployment and drives down wages because a whole bunch of people are suddenly looking for work, which is going to lower GDP. And these are just off the top of my head. I don't know if they're true or not. but these. So when the Republicans put in their policies, there's a short-term hit. And then they get voted out of office, which I'm sure the Republicans have noticed, right? They get voted out of office. And who reaps the benefit of all of those policies? It's the Democrats, right? So that then the economic productivity goes up and the Democrats say, hey, now we're in charge. Everything's great, right? Well, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know. So then the, the Democrats do really crappy things like start spending like crazy and, and well, raise welfare payments and so on. And so that increases GDP and, and all that kind of stuff. And then the economy crashes and the Republicans get in and try it. Right. So it, it may be that the Republicans are better economic managers, but that's short term pain, which translates into long term gain for the Democrats, because everyone was like, oh, screw these guys. Let's go with the Democrats. Hey, things are great because of what the last guys did. Right. And so I, so I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think it's as clear as saying well, all you have to do is vote Republican and things will be great. Um, no, I, I didn't say things would be great. That, that wasn't in my, my question, my, I mean, well, my, my initial be better, be, better. Uh, or even if it's not better, what I would like to uh, use is the term what you guys brought up last week, which was buying time. Um, cause that, that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm coming from that angle but before i go into that uh go down that road when you say uh so the democrats you know the unemployment goes down under democratic presidency it's your theory i mean you're just kind of guessing that this might be due to um state jobs being created or just you know does that or, really or count or benefits from better economic policies from the republicans i don't know but to do can we really count state jobs being created as job creation. I mean, it is job creation. No, 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 I get it. I get it. It, And it's, this is so, it's also ridiculously complicated, right? But you tell me, um, okay, sorry, let's differentiate. Okay. Because there's Republicans and then there's Trump. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. There's different. Okay. So who, who are you talking about here? Because if you're talking uh, about Republicans, then Mike will fall asleep. If you're talking about Trump, JP is a huge Jeb Bush supporter. He told <laughs> no, me privately. No. He just he loves his melting face, you know. He, I'm not. Just, he loves his criminal Land family. Man has uh, arrived. That's a fallacy. That, that's falsehood. That's not true. <laughs> no, but because yeah. Republican and Trump are not not the same thing at all. No, no, you're right. Um, okay, let's 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 not use the word Republican uh, for. Um, let's say those individuals that have a conservative platform. Would that be more accurate? Um, no. Yes. No. No, because okay, the Republicans all, right. all have a conservative platform. Okay, those individuals that um, let's see, let's take Trump here. Uh, Ooh. He uh, is Ooh. he is he 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 thinks he should run the con- the country like a business. So that's good. How many how many um, uh, re- Democratic candidates think that way? Well, I would assume none. Okay, they want to. So they want. They want. They want to run the, the country like it's My Little Pony, Bill. That's my guess. So, gen- <laughs> so generally, free rainbows and poor. They want to run the country like a business. They're probably going going to be a Republican or register as a Republican, right? Yes, 
I think so. Okay. How about Although, this? Third thing, ready? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh. So how many of the current Republicans have business experience? Mitt Romney did. Um, Trump Rand does. Paul with his icon. Oh, I don't think so. But they don't have to have business experience to, um, to kind of put forth and be a tool for the business principles. Like, for example, um, and, uh, I think t- take and, something. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> something happened to Steph. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. Uh, go ahead. Okay, you want, um, okay. So, so do you think that, um, I mean, there's a, there's a visceral experience that, that, that you have when you've actually done something, actually done something. And I, I don't course. know, I don't think yeah. Rand Paul was running a whole bunch of franchises. I think he had an eye doctor clinic and, and, you know, he hired some secretaries or whatever. And that's not unimportant, but it's not really what I'm talking about. Like Trump running multi-billion dollar industries. And I mean, that, that is a significant amount of business experience. In other words, Oh, it's orders. It's of not even close, right? I mean, it's like the convenience yeah. store versus Walmart, right? I mean, it's, it's just not the same skill set. And um, I don't know the number of, because um, I don't know the, the history of these guys, right? Uh, I, I try not to learn too much about the backstory of fictional characters like people running for office. But um, would you, uh, is there anyone out there who's got business experience even close to Trump? And it is important. If no, you want to run an economy, you better damn well have participated in it. Like if somebody's no. going to operate on my eye, then I really want them to have done right. a whole no, bunch no, no. of eye Trump operations is- before. Trump is, an, is a great, interesting exception and very exciting in that regard, you know. But I Carly think- Fiorina. Sorry What's to interrupt that? you, man. Carly Fiorina, she was uh, fired from HP. So she's got a huge amount of business experience getting fired. Uh, to be fair, she started as a secretary, worked her way up to CEO. She's probably, I mean, she's certainly a highly intelligent, capable woman. But she got her ass fired and had a huge golden parachute, which always kind of bothers me. But well, knowing what not to do is important too, right? <laughs> My last four patients died. Would you like me to operate on you? Yeah, true. Because <laughs> I know what not to do. I think. <laughs> well, what a. Let Some me more ask laughing you this question: Can you, you be sort of a simpleton figurehead and or a poster boy for a? principle you know for a sort of a principle that's evolved you know like does the president the efficacy of the the president not either party to actually change things is debatable obviously it could be nothing or it could be a little bit but for the most part a lot of the presidents well with the exception of trump are just uh sort of pushed around by their uh you know the, the people who contribute to their elections and the people that give them money, you know? No, man. The the, the job of the president, there's only one job that the president has. And And the job job of the president president is to rouse rouse the masses masses into into hating hating the media. media. That is the the only only job that the president president has. has. And so so far, far, Donald Donald Trump Trump is the guy. guy. Because, because, no, because the media is on the left, right? And so if you want to get anything done, you have to get people to dismiss the media. Because the media is going to tell you to do all the communist, socialist bullshit that you can imagine. That's that's their sole job, is to expand communism and socialism. That's all they do. And like with a few exceptions, although, what was it, Fox Corporation and the parent company is the ninth biggest donor to Hillary Clinton? Anyway, that's a topic for another time. But 
in general, the media is on the left. And so if you want to get anything done that's even remotely free market, you have to rouse the population into hating Megyn Kelly. Wait, it's more than that. Not much more than that, but, but a little bit more than that. And so if you want to get anything done, you have to get the population to loathe the media because otherwise the population is going to be sandblasted and sandbagged by the media into supporting stuff which is detrimental to the long-term interests as a whole. Okay. Oh, as soon as you make a cut, there'll be, you know, feature stories on the poor single mother or someone that was negatively impacted by the cuts and they'll be you'll be portrayed as a monster for making oh, the cuts. Oh, did you see this uh, by the media this, this like retarded woman was interviewing Donald Trump? And uh, she was saying, well, let's say you had a guy working for you, and it turned out he was an illegal immigrant. What would you say? He said, well, you know, this is tough. Uh, I'd tell him, I'm sorry, you, you, you've got to go. And he's like, well, what if he was supporting his family? <laughs> like, oh, well, if he's supporting his family, breaking the law is fine. I mean, a hitman's family has got to eat. So if the hitman is, like, shooting a bunch of people... <laughs> What are you going to take the food away from his children's mouths? They've got to eat. Oh, then let's just throw away all the rules because children are hungry. <laughs> Only an R selected human being would take that argument even remotely seriously. What do you mean you're not going to buy my poisoned water? I need to feed people, and, and if you don't buy my poison water, my kids are going to go hungry. It's like, I don't really want poison water, but I, they're hungry. Buy it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's, it's insane. Like, like, what if he was supporting his family? Oh, well, that changes the law completely, and no one should ever go to it. Please understand, I'm not favoring or not favoring illegal immigration. Talking from a mainstream standpoint, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he's got to go. He's breaking the law. He's exposing me to liability. And if I know about it and don't do anything about it, I could go to jail. So sorry, bub. You got to go for the same reason. I got to pay my taxes because I don't look good in blue. Sorry. Go ahead, JP. <laughs> well, um, let's see here. I'm, I'm not sure that there's been a president that has achieved the ability to get the general population to hate the media i think there's a bit of a i i, I don't know can you refresh my memory here i, I don't remember the, i mean there's two sides of the media generally and uh usually one is worshipped by the majority of the of the people so i mean it would i guess trump would be the first one to I'm be sorry, possibly be able to do that what we're talking about yeah I, I think we okay let's let's go back to uh <laughs> Republican. You were thinking, brother. Yeah, Democrat. Uh, which? Okay, Mike. Mike, hang on a sec. So maybe we can look up George W. Bush's broken campaign promises. I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm there sure may be a website, website or two, or two that has that information, information on, it. on it. We can assume there's yeah. quite a few. Yeah, because I mean, so they promise stuff, but but there's no there's no legal binding on anything they promise. See, the funny thing is, is in the government, in the world of the government, you can be liable for a contract you never signed, like taxes or tax increases. You don't sign that. You're completely liable, even though you never signed anything. However, with the government, although in the law in America, verbal contracts are binding, oral contracts are binding. If you make a campaign promise as a politician, even though 
verbal contracts are binding and the citizens can be bound by contracts they never even signed or agreed to, you have no legal obligation whatsoever to keep your campaign promises. You know, it's so insane, right? So Cheerios promoted themselves as heart healthy. Good for your heart. I don't know why, but they did. I'm sure it's true. At least I believe that. So Cheerios said, we're heart healthy. And then the FDA said, okay, so you're basically saying that you're a medicine, so we need 10 years and $100 million for double-blind experiment to see if Cheerios is actually a good medicine, right? Did they decide to pay that? Why no? (laughs) They simply removed it, and now you get nice little graphics on the back of Cheerios about the Cheerio effect, which is if you put two Cheerios in a bowl of milk, they drift together or something like that. Right. So maybe Cheerios is really good at heart health, but the FDA won't allow them. You see, because that is making a statement that is kind of like a promise to people. It's heart healthy. And it's really, 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 really important for the government that people keep their promises and statements about fucking cereal. However, I'll reduce your taxes. Read my lips, says George Herbert Walker Bush. Read my lips. No new taxes. Oh, except for these 12 million taxes. So fuck you. Right. See, Cheerios, really, really important to establish and make sure that they know exactly what they're talking about and keep their word and and fuck you, $100 million in 10 years of trials if you want to make that claim. But politicians, they don't have to keep their word at all. I mean, it's ridiculous. All right, here we go. Did you find one, Mike? Was Uh, there a broken promise? There's... (laughs) If if you search, folks, you'll you'll find many many websites and many examples. But my favorite that I've seen that isn't uh, incredibly long is from the Bush Cheney 2000 website. As president, Governor Bush will pay down the debt to a historically low level. Great. Awesome. <laughs> I think and, I think he uh, meant personally. <laughs> he will come and collect your old beer bottles. He'll take them back to the beer store and use it to pay down the debt. He also will pick up your aluminum tabs from your pop bottles and use it to pay down the debt. Also your children's kidneys. And obviously this didn't happen. Um, there's a whole lot of examples for Bush. And there's I've seen websites on Obama as well with his broken campaign promises. Now, is there any website that talks about promises that he kept? I think there is a Obama website that goes through all his campaign promises and says, yes, no, in progress, you know, maybe was stopped, that kind of thing. So if you do want to look into this stuff, there there are people that try to keep Now, track. Mike, how is your – because um, I need to ask um, Mike – I'm sorry, caller, are you from the U.S. as well? Yep. So what are you doing with like the 3500 bucks that you're getting back because Obamacare is so efficient? Are you asking me or Mike? Both, both you guys. I mean, how are you spending it? I assume everyone's going to donate that money to FDR, but just in case that doesn't go. $3,500 I'm getting back from Obamacare? No, Obamacare was supposed to save everybody 3500 bucks a year on their insurance. That was the promise from Barack Obama. Uh, my premiums oh, have gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. get to keep your doctor. Uh, things worked out where I could have kept my doctor, even though I didn't, but... Uh, uh, certainly didn't save the thirty five hundred bucks, and I'm paying a whole lot no, more than I, I was no previously. No, there's no difference in, my, in so. my premium, you know, or my costs from before Obamacare and after. It's uh, well, so so mine are going up sixty percent next year well, no, too. But, but what that means is that you didn't get to save the thirty five hundred bucks that Obama promised. No, I didn't. 
so what's your recourse? Right, because if, if I buy a video game, hang on, if I buy a video game and it says a $10 rebate on the box, Unreal Tournament, 2004. If you, if there was a, you know, it's so sad. <laughs> many, many years ago, I bought a copy of Unreal Tournament back in the days of CDs when it was like eight CDs to install a game. And there was a $10 rebate. And I was weighing whether to buy it or not, the game. And I thought, oh, well, $10 rebate. Do you know, every now and then, I'm still bothered that I never sent that rebate <laughs> in. So sad. I actually, I had, I found a, um, uh, a long, long time ago, I used to work for a temp company, and I found a check of theirs for $48 that I had never cashed. And I sent it in. <laughs> and to be fair, they honored it or whatever, right? But um, uh, so if, if, if I buy an, a game and they say $10 rebate, and then they say, screw you, we're not giving you the rebate, what happens? Class action lawsuit, whatever, 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 and they damn well have to pay, plus more, right? Yeah. But how the politicians fall into this category? Of course not. So when you say vote Republican, you're saying I'm going to give people power over me who have an incredibly strong history of not keeping their word. I'm going to give them power over me, even though they've proven themselves to be malicious liars in the past and promising me. Now wait, hold on. I, I haven't. I haven't finished. I, I need. I need a chance to make a rebuttal here. Yeah, yeah, go. Which and um, which party would generally grow the welfare state? Social spending goes up more under Republicans than it does under Democrats because the Republicans are not in opposition. You could make the case that if you want the uh, welfare state to, to slow down, you need the Republicans in the opposition. Because if the Democrats are in the opposition, they'll never say no to welfare. You need the Republicans in the opposition. I see. Okay, Democrat. All right. Uh, I mean, the whole reason why um, the Republicans took control of the House and Senate in the last election cycle was because, you know, people were upset about a lot of the stuff that the Democrats and Obama were doing. And everyone was all these politicians rode into office under the guise of, we're going to stop this. And then they proceeded to stop nothing. <laughs> yeah, give me the uh, mic if you can look up the Tea Party platform, right? A bunch of Tea Partiers went in, into power to get uh, a, a small government going, uh, to reduce the size and power of government. And what, when they got there, they just stuck the nose in the public trough and shoveled money back to their constituents as fast, if not faster, than the people who came before. And when the Republicans, uh, the Republicans were given... Uh, majorities uh, in significant areas in the government for two main reasons. People wanted illegal immigration stopped and they wanted Obamacare repealed. And, and neither of which has occurred. Okay, boy, you really threw me for a loop here. Uh, I thought I was going to get some, Let me think here. So, so there's no difference, none at all, between... I, no, 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 I didn't... Wait, no, 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 I know. Just, just Are you recoiling off your, your, your uh, horror and, and then strawmanning me here? Because well, I don't no, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm not strawmanning you. I'm trying to. I guess uh, I had the premise coming into this that there were some fundamental differences that would be in place given uh, that you could count on, let's say, given that there's. And that, that one is. I'm not saying. I'm saying just the general principles underlying a republican 
uh, candidate or. Okay, but look, here's here's fifteen. Very, very brief. This is all one sentence, right? This is what the, the Tea Party's full 15 non-negotiable core beliefs. Tea Party's been around for over a decade, uh, was, was so powerful that they were targeted by Lois Lerner's, uh, Lois Lerner's IRS department and used to help Barack Obama, banana republic style, steal the 2008 election. Who was this? So the, the Tea Party's, Lois Lerner was in charge, of course, of the, uh, yeah, the, the IRS. The IRS uh, targeted and refused to grant uh, charitable status to a whole bunch of Tea Party groups, also demanded that they uh, publicize their donor lists and provide their emails, and some of those even went public, which caused people to not want to donate. And there are significant studies out there on the web that show that if the IRS had not targeted the Tea Party groups, then Romney would have won that election that it swayed it enough that literally third world banana republic style Barack Obama stole that election using the IRS. Now, because all the emails are missing and because the Democrats are in power and because the Republicans are a bunch of windbags who don't actually achieve anything, nobody's been prosecuted for this. But I mean, do you remember when uh, Al Gore thought that he'd won the election against George Bush? And demanding for the recount and people with the left went insane and it's dragged on and on. Mm -hmm. But the IRS targeted political dissidents to the Democrats and stole the election for Barack Obama. And people are still talking about, well, you know, we got to vote. <laughs> I mean, they, it's gone third world. Everyone's a banana republic without the gray weather and giant insects. 15 non-negotiable core beliefs from the Tea Party. Number one, illegal aliens are here illegally. Get them out. Eisenhower in the 1950s just sent out the National Guard, rounded up hundreds of thousands of them and just dumped them across the border. Tea Partiers want that. Any of that happening? No. Number two, pro-domestic employment is indispensable. To create more jobs. No, none of that's happened. All of the jobs since the economic recovery has started have gone to foreign-born people. Uh, since 2008, all the job gains from women have gone from foreign-born people. Are they getting that? No. A strong military is essential. Militaries have been cut. Number four, special interests must be eliminated. Eliminated, <laughs> you see. Because they warp democracy. Biggest donors to Barack Obama's campaign were the financial interests on Wall Street. How are those prosecutions going? Plus he handed over what? Over $4 trillion to the banks in bailouts? Number five, gun ownership is sacred. Number six, government must be downsized. They've been working, I mean, how much time and energy has the Tea Party put government must be downsized? Welfare spending in the 08 budget, I think, 2012 budget, welfare spending for, uh, under Barack Obama was up like 40%. Seven, the national budget must be balanced. How's that going? I'm a little confused. You're saying it would be, would it be different if it wasn't, if... Obama was not the president, if it was a Republican, would those things come to fruition at all? Or no, it would make no difference? No! Forget Barack Obama. The Republicans have massive power in the government. Okay, okay, I got you. All right, all right. Deficit spending must end, say the Tea Partiers. It's got to end. How's that going? Bailout and stimulus plans are illegal. Reducing personal income taxes is a must. <laughs> Reducing business income taxes is mandatory. Political offices must be available to average citizens. Intrusive government must be stopped. 
English is our core language is required. Traditional family values are encouraged. You can go to teaparty.org about us to get more on that. Mm-hmm. These guys have poured hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, unbelievable amounts of man hours trying to get themselves organized to get people into power to get these goals met. I can't think of a single one that is not accelerated in the opposite direction, despite the fact that they've got dozens and dozens and dozens of senators and congressmen into power and helps the... But you know what, though, Steph? I mean, the the really damning number is the number of presidential vetoes that Obama has What's he had four? done. He's had four. Four. So it's not even like all this stuff is making it to his desk, despite the fact that Republicans have the majority in the House and the Senate currently, and Obama's standing in the way saying, no, veto power, veto power. It's four. And, and that's one of the lowest, <laughs> his entire one of the lowest vetoes that has ever occurred, if not the lowest veto that has ever occurred in American history. So the Tea Party... I got the list in front of me, and it's, yeah, it's quite a bit less. George W. Bush... Uh, 11, Bill Clinton, 36, George Herbert Walker Bush, 29, Ronald Reagan, 39, Jimmy Carter, 13, Gerald Ford, 48, Richard Nixon, 27. You get the idea. It's so in eight really years, low. he's had almost no legislation presented to him by Republican Congress and Senate that he doesn't like. There's nothing stopping them. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about Trump? <laughs> That's what, a bit of an open-ended take, question. What, what if we <laughs> want to narrow that down a bit? What about forget, reality? <laughs> forget the parties. What if we look at it in an individual basis? Forget the party platforms. Take Donald Trump. You, you, you've already did a whole podcast on uh, his uniqueness and uh, historical significance. Take somebody like that. If you were to, let's say, rally... If you had the power, let's say, to rally thousands of people to vote for this man, wouldn't you consider that as a a situation where if Donald Trump were to be elected and well, I guess it wouldn't. I mean, I don't don't know. Can can we buy time? Is there any way to buy time? I I can tell you this, and this is what I've said for years. It's nothing new, but it bears repeating. If you believe that politics can in any way be a solution to a growing state, you should go and throw everything you can behind Donald Trump. You should, you should go and offer to bear more of his children. You should offer to give him your kidney, not because he needs one, just because he might be hungry. You no, should offer to, to, to throw yourself uh, into his furnace just in case his, his toes are cold in his, his mansion. You should, and seriously, you should get his lawn signs. You should sign up for his action committees. You should donate money. You should donate time. You should donate energy. If you believe that political action has a chance in America to reduce the size and power of the state, to buy time, if you believe that, buy then you right. should go 150,000% behind Donald Trump, and there should be nothing more important that you do with the next year of your life. Okay, do you believe that? Doesn't matter. I can't vote in America. So, I, I mean, it's, it's irrelevant. There's nobody in Canada. It, it's, like, hypothetically. I mean, if you could, if, if you could just beam yourself into the you know, United States as a voting uh, citizen, you could, you could do it, let's just say, hypothetically. Is it worth... Would you do it? No. Okay, I why? wouldn't do it. No, I wouldn't do it because... 
my energies and my focus is much better spent on spreading the word of peaceful parenting. Does that mean I think nobody should do it? I can't say that because I can't say what people do and don't believe. But I will say this. When I did the truth about voting years ago, which I still stand by 150%, if Donald Trump was not in this race, I would have not budged even one millimeter from that position. This guy is such an out of left field guy that I'll tell you, I mean, if I could snap my fingers and, and, and get him into the White House, I would do it. Because he makes people hate the media. And that is only for really, that really important right. for everything that we want to do. Not because I think he's going to bring about a free market or, or reduce the size and power of the state, but he's going he's to turn people against the media. Like the media is this, this vampire that stands between us and freedom. If the only thing that happens is like matter and antimatter, Donald Trump hits the media, media, uh, the media and they both explode. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay. I think worse things could happen. <laughs> I understand. You, I understand what you, your your case. You're right. Your your time is much better spent on, on what you're what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Uh, I think what it comes down to, as I just for me, a collapse. You know, the inevitable financial collapse or economic collapse. It's just not. What, I know. You know, mathematically, these things. This is going to happen, but I I just feel that. It's not acceptable to me. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of. It's not. It's not acceptable to anybody. No Sorry, one I don't know it. what you're talking about. What is not acceptable? Uh, to you? Well, you know, something that can't be maintained uh, financially. You know, we're going to run out of money. We're already out of money. You know, the everything's going to fall apart. And uh, I don't know what the fallout is going to be like, but it can't. It can't be good for certainly not for certain sector of the population. But I don't, why, why can't it? Why can't it be good? Because you're assuming. I think. Okay, I might be wrong, but I have in the long I, run. I don't mean in the in, short. in the long run. I, I don't see if you have an increasingly, as you call our selected population, and it's worse and bigger than ever before in in in, uh, in this country, at least without a population without principles. Uh, at least religious majority were Christian population. They have principles. No, no, no. Right? Sorry to interrupt. But ours run away from limits. The moment limits occur, ours flee. Well, right. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is that... So a crash is going to be the imposition of rational limits to consumption. I, I think if the crash, if a crash is going to be the start of another, of a sort of I don't think there's going to be anything's going to be rebuilt from that under, under rational principles or any kind why? of why not? Because look at the population that's going to be left over. It's not. But We're this not is ready. a population in a state of plenty. It's like if somebody's putting heroin into someone's cereal and you say, well, of course they can't get a job because they're just like grabbing imaginary butterflies out of the air and staring at static on a TV thinking they're, they're seeing the next George Lucas movie. You say, well, sure, but that's because somebody's putting heroin on their cereal. Okay, okay, so I get what you're saying. Right, so we've got this fantasy of limitless resources, which makes people retarded. Okay, all right. But here in Canada, here in Canada, they cut welfare by a third. And what happened? People went, okay, I'll get a job. Okay. It only looks insurmountable because we're judging people in a state of plenty that can't last. Human beings are incredibly adaptable. You know, you, 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 sp you spend three minutes in the cold and your ass starts getting bigger. 
Wait, time out. But wait, 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 wait. If your case, if your case selected in the majority of population at the time of this big collapse will be case selected, it, it will be, uh, whether it's this generation, generation, or the next one. How, if you know, epigenetics? I, I'm assuming that's what you're. You know, when you with people become so, these these tendencies get turned on biologically. It's epigenetic. You know, which just explains why people from the same family can have go in two different directions, and what. Then it means that if something were to happen where there were suddenly no more, uh, the resources were, uh, the environment was different and people had to compete for resources, how, th those people are not, they'd have to switch to a K mentality to, 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 to win, to survive. No, no, they're ours. They'll just follow Ks. They have no will of their own. Okay, they'll do what they, they're told. They will just everything. follow Ks. Look. <laughs> you had, let me tell you, so, so Neville Chamberlain in the 1930s was the guy charged with negotiating with Hitler. Mm -hmm. Pure R. I've got this whole background. It's going to be part of part three. Pure R background. No dad, all, all the usual shit, right? Mm -hmm. And he screwed everything up with Hitler. And then everybody freaked out because there was a war. And who did they choose? Pure K Churchill, right? Mm -hmm. And they all followed Mr. Winston Churchill. Hmm. Now, when the war was done, they dumped his ass and went back to pure our socialists again by voting in the Labour Party. So human beings, ours like to live. And so when resources get finite again, they'll just shut the fuck up and go in line. Rabbits can be herded. They're sheep. They can be herded. Okay, okay, but the next generation, then their kids, given that the situation is the same, will be K because they'll they'll born in a situation where things aren't just given to them; they have to compete for it. Is, so well, they'll the, they'll be K if they separate. <laughs> they'll be a mixture otherwise, right? Which is why judging your family by objective moral standards is so important, right? Epigenetics is one of the reasons why it's important <laughs> to have a rational moral evaluation of your family of origin. Because if there are and you're K and you don't rationally evaluate that, the infection takes a lot longer to to purge. To okay, get okay. Out of your system. So R can be can be swayed to follow K principles. Yeah, they'll okay. they'll go so, out and they'll get jobs and they'll grumble and they'll complain. That's interesting though, because isn't that all that matters? We don't care ultimately whether. They're the K or R selected. I mean, obviously, but but if they can follow K principles, that's what matters. No, so no, why, no, if, no. They can't follow K principles. That's not what I said. They follow oh. K people. They can't follow K principles because they don't have the brain for it. But they can obey. Okay, they can obey. Why would they obey? The grass is over here. I'm not going to yeah, start. Yeah, because okay. the resources Walk are finite, which nibble. means when society is in a time of danger, you get K's promoted. When society is not we'll in a time of danger, you get R's promoted. When resources get limited, the R's flock to the K leader. Okay. Which is now, for all of his faults, and there are many, Donald Trump is like a pure corcane snout of finely, finely ground K balls. Seriously, I mean, the guy, he's just like mainlining manhood. Right or wrong? He is. I mean, <laughs> he is. And 
the idea of having, if we hit the wall financially and an R is in power, things go very badly indeed. But basically, they'll just kick him out. Okay, and if, please. sorry, if a K is in power, the R's will simply line up behind the K and say, okay, tell us what to do. Right, but why don't R's, let's just, going with that model, the R and K model for human beings, R's, they get resources, okay, but they're always, they're not satisfied with what they have. They, there's obviously, they're longing for for more. They're longing, you know, it's not like they're... No, that's everyone. That's not just ours. Okay. Everyone wants more. Human desires are infinite. I'm, I'm just trying to find a way here. There, there's no way in this state to get an R to, be, to follow a K in this state right now. No, no, no. Of course, yeah, because it's basically saying um, that uh, you should pretend that resources are infinite when they're not, according to your experience. Right? It's, it's like saying to rabbits in Australia, you got to hoard grass. Don't eat it all, man. Hoard it for the winter. And they'll say, there's no winter. It's Australia. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. What, what are you talking about? You're insane. And so when, when Ks say to society, the national debt is a huge problem. We're running out of seed crop. We're not going to make it through the winter. A crash is coming. Okay. Right? To, to the K, the R's can't, they don't have the emotional apparatus. It doesn't stimulate them. It's like trying to sell demonic possession insurance to an atheist. Don't believe in it. Doesn't, not part of my mindset, right? It doesn't work for me. But when, when reality hits, as it always does, there's a deep shock in the R community. Shit, gigs up, man. Right? I mean, so they, they, they can't project out into the future. They don't feel the unease about running out of resources that, that the Ks do. Because the Ks biologically have to plan a lot further ahead to get their food. Right? The wolves have got to train their cubs from beginning. They got to mm-hmm. work together. They got to coordinate. They got to. They, and they can't wait till they're hungry to hunt because they don't have the energy to catch anything. They have to wait. I'm going to be hungry in a week, so I got to go hunt now, right? Whereas the R's are just like grass, 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 grass. But enough about Colorado, right? So, so, so the the R's don't get that the national debt is going to cause a problem. They're just like running out of grass. But when they do run out of grass, then they'll be like, oh, shit, there's no grass. Who's got grass? Kay's got grass in the form of jobs. So the best you can do is get a, an R to follow you, to follow you, but that can't happen now because they have this, this fantasy of uh, limitless resources right now. Well, it's not a fantasy. It is a reality of government at the moment. But it's going to run out. It's going to run out. Infinite. Of course, it's going to run out. But yeah, yeah. it's it's not it's a reality fantasy. to them. Okay. It's a reality, right. and so especially within a country that has the world reserve currency right. and a huge amount of saved up capital from prior generations. Right. Everything from like the 18th century onwards has been accumulated, which is now being squandered and burned up in in America. And so women, let's just take women can be complete assholes to men because they've got the government to pay the bills. Right. And this is why you have this vicious anti-male prejudice that's going on, right? And also blacks, black activist leaders can just scream, you know, evil racist whiteys and so on because the government's paying for a bunch of their stuff, right? 
But then when the government stops paying for all of that stuff, women are going to be like, oh, shit, I guess I'll be nice to me now, right? It's going to hugely and in a massively healthy way normalize human relations. Everybody's getting heroin on their cereal and stumbling around during the day seeing visions of things that aren't real. When, when the literal drug, it is a literal drug, people respond viscerally with dopamine-like addiction to the word free. And so this drug of free, when it ends, people are going to shake themselves out of a haze and we're going to start to deal with each other in a much more civilized way. And a woman who's thinking of getting a divorce because she can go on welfare and because she can get all these subsidies and maybe because she can go to the courts and get all of this money, well, it's going to find out that that's not really going to happen. So she's going to like, well, shit, I guess I got to find a way to make this work and she will. Okay, so she'll make it work, but she'll... It seems to me, though, that she'd have to completely change. I mean, someone who's passive and... I'm sorry to be annoying, man. You're looking at it from a K perspective, which means you have standards and an identity. Ours are like water. They adapt to... Limitless resources, and then they'll just adapt to limited resources by following so wait, they, the K. They, they magically you, adapt you can't to change because you're a K, but the R's can adapt to anything. No, wait, wait, they can't. So an R can, like a chameleon, can take on the form of K behavior in a K world. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Forget the chameleon. Look at it this way. Sorry to be annoying. Yeah. You give rabbits more, more, more food, what do they do? They, they give eat, rabbits they fuck, more food. They make they, them more babies. Yeah, right? they just, right. Right, so they just, more food. They just adapt, right? Mm-hmm. They just, they just, they're just programmed to maximize. Maximize, 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 right? Have yeah. sex as early as possible, have sex as often as possible, eat as much as possible, run as fast as possible. They're just maximum, right? Okay. If you give wolves more food, what do they do? If you give wolves more food, they probably, they eat what they need and... They don't eat more. Wolves yeah. don't sit there and say, holy shit, we've got more food. Let's fuck like rabbits. <laughs> Let's have right. as many pups as humanly. Like, because K-selected behavior is very rigid. So when you say, well, how will they adapt and how will they change? That's because you're K. But ours will just adapt to like water. You pour it into whatever container. It takes the shape of that container. What Rand used to call the social metaphysicians. If the standards in society change... Okay, we'll do that. They don't, they don't know internal guides, no internal sense. Maximize, 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 right? So if the standards... Are, <laughs> just, I'm just trying to... I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just trying to understand it from my end. I'm not, like, trying to... No, no, I appreciate argue. the conversation. I'm, I'm trying that. to understand. I'm, I just be patient so I can walk through this in my mind. So if the environment changes and there are less resources, which inevitably will be the case, Ks will be Ks. They'll just do what they've always done, correct? Yep. But they'll do it way better because they won't have right, the right. interference of government. Ours will act like K's out of necessity and... No, 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 no. They won't act like K's because they don't have the brains. Their brain, they will, uh, they will follow K's. So let me put it to you this way. The people on welfare don't go... When welfare ends, the people who, go on, who are on welfare don't go out and become entrepreneurs. They go out and get a job. In other words, they go and conform to some K entrepreneur. Okay. In general, they'll, fill in exactly. a, they'll fill in a niche that that uh, is out that they can provide with their mentality. That's what you're saying. 
They'll feel. Well, they'll go and live in the case-structured world of of having jobs and and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay. I okay. I I I think I I see what see what you're saying with that. But Let then, me give you another analogy. So there are a lot of people who've become obese because food has become more available and generally crappier, right? But there's lots correct. of people who have not gained weight, right? They say, okay, so there's tons of food out there that tastes really good, but it's bad for you, so I'm not going to eat it. That's K, right? Yeah. And so if food, if all of the crappy, junky food goes away, K's don't care. <laughs> Doesn't right. really change your diet that much, right? Right. Let's say they ban cookies tomorrow. Doesn't change my diet. Mm-hmm. I don't eat them. But people who've eaten all this crap, when that crap goes away, do they just throw themselves off a cliff? No. They just eat different food and survive that way. It's uncomfortable for them, but right? So they'll just go. Ah, I see. I see. Uncomfortable. Okay. So that's the distinction there. All right. So let's say uh, in an R or the K selected world, uh, resources are scarce and competition is high. The R's kind of fill in fill in the spots where they can they can like be hired and to do you know some kind of you know labor or whatever the case may be and it's not like they will stoically take that on with religious principles and you know like it, it's it's not the same as somebody what i'm getting confused is i'm equating someone who sticks to their job does their role and does it well with a uh and, and with a stoic approach to it like someone who's you know like a protestant work ethic you know someone who's got that sort of principle driving principle behind even no matter what it is even if it's just doing take you know the gar- a garbage you know drive truck drive or something like that that's not what we're talking about when we talk about ours filling those roles we're talking about something diff- something else we're talking about they're doing it but they don't like it but they're doing it because yeah, they'll, they'll just adapt they'll just adapt and yeah, they'll just go follow they'll go follow the the case and, and do what the case tell them. And they might grumble under their breath and they might miss the welfare state and all that. But the genes just go dormant or they just wait to come back. It's like, okay, so we're in a, a limited environment. So let's mimic K and we'll stay here as a subterfuge. But we'll, as soon as we get a chance, as soon as this works and the K's start producing excess, we're going to create a government. We're going to create fiat currency again. And the whole shit's going to go again because whenever the R gene set can trick society into pretending that resources are infinite, that's a breeding ground for the R gene set. So then what I'm, oh, I understand. I, I, I understand what you're saying now. So then it's, boy, so some epigenetic situation that happened when somebody was young can have that much of an effect. It's just, I guess. Just look at I'm, the brain scans. Look at the brain scans. They are not the same. We are not the same species. Or we're, okay, we're but, subspecies. But, but how can two siblings be two separate subspecies and it's kind of you understand it's kind of, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing here so if two siblings from the same family were looking at each other and we're like we're two we're subspecies of each other i it just it's just confusing i i understand well jp yeah. think of this if um you have a sibling and the father is present for your brother and not you you're going to have different epigenetic effects because of yeah, but that's the not father's the case. presence. Oh, dude, dude, not. you have way too much faith in women. <laughs> <laughs> Two yeah, siblings? I, they're probably not siblings. 
<laughs> well, no, no, there's, there's that. 10% of the population doesn't have the father they think they have because the woman screwed around and didn't tell anyone. Okay, all right, I understand that, but like, there's a bit of a wrench into those studies, I would say. But sorry, <laughs> but but honestly, thinking like I in, my, I'm just thinking, in people's in my own family and other people I know. I mean, there are, in there are two, or three kids that go in opposite political directions. You know, I mean, my own father flip flop back and forth between his, his, his vote, his, you know, his voting behavior like four times. But it's not deterministic, man. Right. Right. So what I'm saying is like, if you're, so if you're, okay, what about sports? Well, sports has a big effect on R versus K people who are bad at sports learn that competition is bad and become competition avoidant and therefore have a fear and loathing of the free market. And that has to do with some, choices it also has to do with some innate abilities and coordination and so on so there's there's that aspect of things older siblings versus younger siblings older siblings tend to be a little bit more k younger siblings tend to be a little bit more r there's and please understand these are all just hypotheticals i'm not saying any of this is any kind of ironclad proof i just want to i know i'm being very emphatic here but i want to be clear that i can't pull out the data to support all of these these are all just theories right but there's a yeah. lot of factors. Also, who do you happen to get exposed to at what particular time in your life? Maybe they had a friend who was real K. Uh, maybe they got no, attracted no, I, to I a girl who that. was real K. Uh, maybe right. they picked up a book by somebody who was real K at just the right time in their life. I mean, it could be any number of things. Or maybe genetics are just wild. I mean, it's like saying, well, how can you have a sibling with brown eyes and a sibling with blue eyes? You can. <laughs> Okay, right, so I mean, you're, what you're saying is that it doesn't. It's not like a bomb has to be dropped. You know, it's like it could be something subtle, something in the uh, early childhood experience, anything that could trigger something, right? I mean, anything, pretty much. It doesn't have to be some huge catastrophic event, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't because I don't know what you mean by subtle. I mean, subtle genetic. I don't subtle, know. Like you know, like you said, like they're at a certain age and they. Maybe they uh, got yelled at by a teacher or something. No, no, it's not that. It's not like so. For me, um, oh gosh, no, that's too big a topic. I'll, me and R versus K is just a whole a whole other thing. But for me, like when I picked up Ayn Rand, I was like, yes, yes, finally, finally, somebody is saying something that I can respect, something that is powerful, something that is cohesive, something that is coherent. And if you look at, you know, R versus K is all over Ayn Rand's writing. If you think of Atlas Shrugged, you have the Ks who are the business people and those who are excellent at their job and those who understand limitations. And you have the R's, which is those uh, multiplying like maggots through the political process. And you can even see that, you know, Peter Keating is pure R. And Howard Rock is pure K, right? So uh, there is um, a, uh, and of course, Dominique is is fearful of living in a world of ours who she doesn't want to screw. <laughs> and therefore, anyway, but um, when I first read that, uh, uh, it responded to me very powerfully. I don't have any guarantee until I had a blood test, which I'm probably never going to have, but I don't have any guarantee that my brother is my full sibling. My parents' marriage was cracking up. I don't have any guarantee. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, the genetics don't really matter. I mean, they're important to understand in terms of why people don't listen to each other, even though reason should be that which unites all of us different types of people. 
But the genetics, if you're trying to go down the causality of these things, I don't think that that's good. Like, that's a way of distracting yourself from what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other, have you toyed with any other theories besides this one to explain the differences between the two, you know, mindsets? Just out of curiosity, have have, you know, is it, was this your first go around with trying to get something together, a theory to explain the difference between the two mindsets, the conservative and or the left and the right, or did you have another? Do you have any well, other? No, I, I haven't. Uh, I don't think I've done a huge amount to explain it because you can only talk in generalities, not in individuals, right? And, and this goes back to something we've talked about a bunch of times before. Like Asians generally are shorter than mm-hmm. whites, and blacks are generally bigger than whites. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look at general populations and people in basketball. Okay, then you're going to, but each individual doesn't help you with any individual, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to look at these as large trends, they're very helpful. What you want to do is start bringing it down to the individual level. And I don't think it's helpful. I, I think that's basically going to get you lost in the forest and uh, lost in the trees and missing the forest. I got you. Okay. I understand. You want to bring it down to my life and your life and what happened and they're general trends, and it's a bell curve. Nobody's pure R, nobody's pure K. We're all a mix. And remember, the R's and the K's among human beings are very close together relative to rabbits and wolves, right? I mean, we're still all human beings. Uh, so the R's and the K's are very close together uh, biologically, right, compared to the, um, the uh, barn owls and, and mice or something like that, which are much further apart, uh, or, or cats and, and uh, birds or whatever, and so, uh, you know, we're still a lot closer together. Uh, so if you start to try and apply this at an individual level, uh, I think you're going to go down a rabbit hole that's not going to have you doing much in the world other than batting your own brain back and forth. Yeah, so I guess we're traditionally used to thinking about R and K as a, as a different, something that characterizes species. You know, like um, it's just kind of been a challenge for me to apply that within a species you know like well no there's there's an example and sorry to interrupt but there's an example i give i think in the first or second presentation well since there are only two so far (laughs) it's one of those wherein uh, i think i talk (laughs) about a lemur that has been separated one's on the island and one is on the mainland and Mm -hmm. there they've been separated and they have developed different r and k characteristics based upon the availability of food i think there was much more food available on the mainland so if you separate species and subject them to limits versus non-limits in their environment, you will end up with separate subspecies. And this, of course, is one of the theories about why RNK may not be evenly distributed among human races. So that's another okay. topic for another uh, time. I, I see what you're saying. So it can be within one species in the animal world. It, it, you can't separate as, as long as there's the environmental factors are, are different. Well, think of um, a Great Dane and a Chihuahua. They're both dogs. <laughs> But they may not be R and K equal. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I think uh, I, I've been waiting for the third, the third video. <laughs> you know. Um, as soon as I stop getting new mind blowing ideas and information, I will make it. But I hate making stuff and then coming up with really great ideas later. Uh, that just drives me insane. So I have to wait until the fertility of this giant topic is uh, diminished uh, in me and I feel like I'm getting to the point of diminishing returns and then I'll put it all together but right now I'm still there's so much to learn and so much to theorize about I mean gosh gun control 
R versus K. I mean, it, there's so much that every single political issue that, that can be viewed that where there's great polarization um, is, is fantastic. Uh, in-group preferences, uh, uh, racial preferences, um, uh, strong military, weak military, in-group in preferences, out-group, it's insane. Uh, early sexualization. The, the R's uh, uh, sexualize the, the, their offspring very early. And what do you see with liberals? They always want really early childhood sex education. Anyway, I just saw him keep going on and on with this stuff. And until mm -hmm. I run out of like crazy, florid new ideas, I'll have to just hold off. All right. So I guess you uh, pretty much you made your case about the voting. Um, I, I, I guess I, I came to the, uh, the discussion with the, the premise in mind that there would be a difference generally. But I think you made the case that but what they say they do, they don't do. So... If somebody if somebody put gun to my head and said who do you want in the White House right now I'd say Donald Trump. Right. Okay. Yeah. But but not because I think he's going to fundamentally change the economy or, or the amount of liberty, but simply because I think that he will be the death blow to the mainstream media and maybe Megyn Kelly won't just take a week and a half off. Maybe it'd be a little longer. Mm hmm. I see. <laughs> I've been thinking of this a lot, and I could make a very strong case to why Donald Trump being in the White House would be an absolutely terrible thing. Really? I, I mean, I've, I've been doing the back and forth, and we'll probably have a Mikey, discussion about fickle, this. I mean, it's not bitch. like the Donald's going away. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, I mean, this started out with my internal battle, us talking about Donald Trump and my uh, curiosity around him. And, I mean... It's part of me is like, oh, well, I love this stuff where he's just exposing the media to be the corrupt monsters that they are. That's fantastic. But, you know, having someone who is incredibly nationalistic, wants a really strong military, is not for in any way loosening control over the economic environment. He might be, I want to get some red tape out of people's way so we can grow the economy, but it's not grow the economy so people can be free. It's it's ultimately within the confines of a controlled economy and he wants very strict trade deals and this type of stuff. And I mean, I can make the case to why this is a terrible thing. And if you do have an economic collapse while he's in power, uh, if he does well, that could be a negative. You know, if he does really well, that could be a negative. People say, Oh, we get someone who does runs things like a business in here and then stuff collapses. People might look at that as a huge negative. Yeah. If he gets in and things go badly and he goes really militaristic and, you know, you have Donald Trump facing down with Putin and stuff like that. I mean, like this, it could be really bad. I can make the case both ways. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's well, and, and nobody, sorry, it's an, nobody knows, of course, what will happen with anybody who goes yeah. into power because there's no contract that they're bound by. But one thing I do mm -hmm. like is the is the regular fireworks of splody head liberal minds in the media when they confront a pure distilled case specimen. Uh, but so I, I just I just enjoy those fireworks. And uh, for him to be in the White House would be, uh, you know, basically he would be like a holy water on the vampires of the media. And um, it, it would be fascinating to watch. And, you know, we we we, we like to do shows we're interested in and Donald Trump is interesting. Yeah. Well, Okay, well, I think uh, I got some, some food for thought here. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know. I, maybe I will vote for Trump or... I, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 got, I got to think about all these things. And uh, Going into the call, were you um, absolutely no, voting for no. Trump? Or voting for Republican? No. Or? Okay. I, I just wanted to, you know, 
I wanted to see if there was a way uh, that you could be have efficacy as far as main, maintaining uh, maybe you know the the family unit in in the, as long as possible in in the country. You know, uh, yeah. I, I think I I just I I just feel like if that goes, I, we're, we're then then we're all screwed. Like that that core nucleus of of humanity goes. I mean, I, and you just I just I'm really you know it bothers me. You know, I just I want to have efficacy. You know, I'm not one that wants to sit sit around and like wait for you know wait for the uh, the rapture. You know, as as it seems like some people, you know, some anarchists, you know, be like, well, you know, it's all gonna come apart, and then, and then we'll you know we'll have our day. I mean, I, it's not acceptable to me. I, I I've worked hard to build things for myself, and I mean, I don't have a kid. <laughs> I gotta tell you, sorry to interrupt. I I've met a lot of libertarians and anarchists. Yeah, I don't think that they're gonna get to the top of the pyramid in a Mad Max style universe, just based upon <laughs> what I've seen. A lot of them don't seem to be overly blessed with an abundance of upper body strength. So anyway, it's a, uh, so yeah. uh, can I just give you one final outro and then we'll move to the next caller? I really appreciate the question. Sure. Yeah. I have been, you know, as I regularly am in this show, pretty humbled over the past couple of years. Or, or more, right? So I went in making very strong cases against political action, focusing on the voluntary family, on the peaceful parenting stuff and all that. And, uh, you know, I have to be an empiricist. You know, I, I can't sit there and say to the government, well, you know, your welfare state program isn't working. How come you just keep doing it, right? Well, I have to, uh, I put forward a, a project for the world of, of those who watch what I do. I put forward a project and I said, forget about political stuff, focus on peaceful parenting. And mm -hmm. I started talking about this seven or eight years ago. To be responsible, I, you know, I'm a businessman uh, and I have been my whole adult life and I've been entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial for like the last 20 years. You can't just set up a project and blindly, you know, put the blinders on and just keep going and not circle back to see what the result has been. Mm -hmm. And the result has been in general that People have continued with their political stuff and have soundly and blindly avoided the voluntary family and peaceful parenting and all that other stuff, right? So I have to recognize that, that my call for action in the libertarian context has largely gone not just unheeded, but completely, it's like I never said anything, it's completely, that's how heavy the defenses are, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to recognize that. I can't just keep going on blindly as if I have no data that has come back since I started this conversation. I think the truth about voting was 2006, that's nine years ago. So I've got nine years of additional, and that's when I was just starting out. That was like a, a six or eight months uh, after I'd even started the whole show. And yeah. so I have uh, my community check that day. I think it's either 06 or 08. I can't, but either way, it's a, it's a long time ago, and I have a huge amount of additional data that I have gathered in my close to decade now of, of activism that I would be completely hypocritical to ignore. Now, if people gave me the choice, like the fantasy world, right? And I, they said, Steph, you can either have people do a whole, sorry, October 28, 2008, sorry, 2008, not 2006. But I talked about limits of political power even before that. My very sixth podcast was about self-defense and talking about it more in a family situation rather than a social situation. But um, so if there was a, a giant buttons, right, and one said, you know, tens of millions of dollars and millions and millions of hours into political action, political activism, or tens of millions of dollars and millions and millions of hours into spreading peaceful parenting, I would push the peaceful parenting one. 
Of course, right? If I, if I had the choice about where I think resources should be allocated, since I'm not a central planner, <laughs> I don't have that choice. And so the idea of me saying, well, don't do any political activism because that's going to take away from your peaceful parenting. Well, I made that case to try and get people more into the peaceful parenting stuff, which has happened at some individual level. But as far as a movement goes, it has barely budged. In fact, it's basically uh, people have now, now resolutely avoiding the topic uh, and me to some degree, rather than doing that, which I've made, I think, a very strong reasoned and empirical case for. So that having been said, the idea of saying, well, you see, if I was trying to convince people not to do politics so that they could do peaceful parenting. And if they had, we'd be, you know, hugely ahead with seven or eight years further down the road. Peaceful parenting would have spread to millions of households and we'd have a giant, fantastic movement that would be a huge beacon of light to the rest of humanity on where we need to go as a species. That has not happened. And so the reality is, if I say don't do political action, it's not like then people say, okay, well, I'm going to do peaceful parenting. No matter how strong a case I've made for that, that's just not what's happened. So people are going to go and do political action. I'm not going to try and make that case again and pretend something different is going to occur. I'm going to work at the individual level and, and accept the limitations of uh, people's capacity to listen. And I say that, you know, it sounds kind of, well, they're just not listening. Well, because it's not even a discussion, right, in the libertarian community as a whole. Mm. Like, is spanking a violation of the non-aggression principle should be a very important topic because it's what people could really change an effect in their lives. But it's not mm. in general. I mean, you know, Walter Block and I had a debate and a few other people have mentioned it in passing, but it's not uh, anything that's uh, foundational. Mm -hmm. So people are going to go do their political action uh, no matter what. And um, I, I had no thoughts in any way, shape or form that any of the non-Trump candidates, uh, whether they're on the left or the right, would have any... Um, would have any effect on the um, mainstream media. What Trump is going to show to people is that the media is biased and the media is uh, a paper tiger. The media is not something to be that afraid of. Now, if mm -hmm. that's the case, if, if we can get Republicans to stop being afraid of the mainstream media, I mean, why haven't they acted further against Obama? Because they're afraid of being called racists. Mm -hmm. Right now, now, they've just seen Donald Trump has had the racism spear thrown against him repeatedly, it just shatters off his ham-shaped hull, right? <laughs> I mean, it just, yeah. he's, oh, you know, he's even criticized yeah. John McCain's military record, and on he goes, and he just, he keeps making these gaffes, and all these people, they clutch their pearls, and they stagger back into their barrels, oh, I can't believe it, get me my smelling salts, he done said something about yeah. illegal immigration, I think something about POWs, oh my goodness, I can't think... And people are just like, ah, we still like him. <laughs> in fact, we like him even more. And so yeah. the, 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 the shrieking and fainting classes, right? The I'm so offended, I'm upset, I'm shocked, and I'm appalled. It's like, God, people are <laughs> they're so delicate. Like somebody the, the other day was like, Steph, you've got to never sing again. I cringe when you sing. Cringe, really. I cringe when I watch people being beheaded or burned in a cage. You cringe because of some singing you don't like. You are a very delicate little flower. <laughs> <laughs> and so this this professional shrieking class of um, they're supposed to be this this uh, Greek chorus, right? They used to be in ancient Greek plays, this Greek chorus that would run around and sing everybody's emotional state, maybe because the actors are really bad. I don't know, but um, uh, recognizing that that the shrieking and offended class are, are just a bunch of shadows that that nobody should really care about. You know, they're like ghosts when you don't believe in ghosts. They just don't fundamentally exist in the consciousness of a person with integrity. 
the fact that the shrieking classes can be revealed for the impotence that they've always had, except for the fear that they generate in other people. And the fact that uh, Donald Trump can say things about illegal immigrants and that everyone can scream that he's a racist and is furthering the Hispanic vote, which is very racist towards Hispanics, the idea that, well, you said something bad illegal, about illegal immigrants, so all Hispanics will hate you. It's like, wait, isn't that <laughs> saying that Hispanics all vote and think the same way? Isn't that sort of a huge problem for democracy as a whole? Anyway, yeah. so, so the fact that he can just go out there and be roundly insulted, right? I mean, it would be fantastic if the Republicans and the Democrats as a whole, or more so for the Republicans, because they're more afraid of negative stuff from the mainstream media, if they just see that uh, there's no man behind the curtain. There's no giant wizard, right? There's just a bunch of people like with those little iron sheets they used to make thunder in theaters going, woo, it's like there's no real ghost here and they can't drink your blood. It doesn't really matter. Who cares, right? It's like the, anything you do publicly, you just have to get used to the fact that there are just a lot of idiots out there who think that they know something. And, uh, and, and they scream and they're, they're upset and they're shocked and they're appalled or they're concerned trolls. You know, I went to Donald Trump with an open mind and I thought I'd find out what he was really about. And I was really quite surprised. Like, blah, 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 the usual bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, and just watching all the libertarian outlets with Trump as well is fascinating. But that's a topic for another time as well. But um, the fact that, that Donald Trump can be out there and be attacked by just about everyone in the media and their attempt to humiliate him in the last Republican debate completely backfired. Yeah, I, I, I think Trump, you know, if you're interested in political power, I'd rather you didn't do anything to do with politics. Just focused on spreading peaceful parenting and voluntary family and personal integrity and, you know, the non-aggression principle and things that you can affect and confronting statists with the immorality of what they're doing. All the stuff that I said years and years and years ago. But most people aren't going to do that, so they might as well get involved in politics if they're not going to listen to me about that. And if they do get involved in politics, getting behind Donald Trump will take down the media. Uh, at least it has the most possibility of doing that. So that's where I stand. So even though you don't, even though after what you said eight years, you haven't seen the results you wanted to see, you um, it's, it has it shaken your resolution. Not resolution. I'm not saying shaken resolution, but you know. Are you changing course at all due to the the feedback you've gotten as far as, you know, the data? That well, no, from- I'm, I'm accepting the reality. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say I've got the best diet in the world, but if very few people follow it, you just have to recognize that reality. And you have to say, okay, well, given that people aren't going to follow my diet, even though I know it's the best diet in the world, how can I get them to eat better, right? Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike and Steph. Thank you. All right. Oh, thank you, JP. It's always a good time when you call in. It's been too long since your last call. And JP, I'm so sorry. I felt like I interrupted you a lot. And I really apologize with that. It's just that when the RK stuff is in people's heads, they often go down rabbit holes that are not productive. And I really apologize for all those interruptions. It was quite rude. uh, And it was probably just my excitement. (laughs) No no problem. Well, thanks to you. I, I won't be going down those rabbit holes. I think I have a better understanding now. So it definitely helps me out a lot. All right. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. Bye. All I will right. call him Jean Pierre in my own mind because I miss his <laughs> accent. <laughs> Stuff. I'm confused. I thought you endorsed and said you were going to vote for Donald Trump in that last show. So this is a sudden change in positions that I'm just befuddled what? by. Mike, don't get me in trouble. <laughs> what are you talking about? I endorsed Donald Trump and I was going to vote for him. Jesus Christ, Mike. Do you not know how we can be sliced and diced? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that was the comments after that show. It's like, I'm interested in Donald Trump. You've endorsed and said you're voting for Donald Trump. Can oh, I just get one no, tiny gripe? No, no, no. Just one tiny gripe out of, out of my brain. It's got nothing to do with this or anything else. Please I gotta go. love people on the internet. Can I just tell you <laughs> how much I hate those people? Hate is a strong word. You gotta love the government. Gotta love people. these guys who do this and then do that. And it's like, gotta love this. You gotta love the way that they do this. Gotta love guys. Gotta love, gotta love an anarchist who talks about, oh my God. <laughs> you know, love is not a four-letter word except in the mouths of the gotta love people who, people like that. It's just one of these things. It's like, it's like the word bashing. You're just bashing Christians. You know, the moment I see the word bashing, I just stop reading. And the moment when I see gotta love, huh, I just, gone. And anybody who says something that is really contentious and tra- about a tragic topic and then follows it with LOL. <laughs> oh, my God. Blah, ha, 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 people. I just I tell you, anybody with any brains just stops reading you. But I guess that's probably what you want anyway. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Good great stuff. Good great. Thanks so much for everyone. It was a great conversation as always. Have yourselves a superb evening. And, uh, Mike, do you have a donation request outro in your head? You're the one who said oh, you were going to oh, do geez. this. Oh, right on the spot. I'm not cornering you. Oh, come over here, Sailor. Know, hey, why are you coming I, over here, Sailor? Oh. Can, can I get uh, a back and forth between whiny, pedantic guy and Major General blah, blah, blah? Somehow right, relating whiny. to a donation request? Maybe. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm just trying okay. to, to destroy your voice. Major General Blah Blah, you know you're an evil colonialist, right? What? What would you say? What are you saying? We're out here making the world better for everyone. What are you talking about? Evil colonialists? What? What? Well, you know that that they don't really want you to be there. You know, you know that it's exploitation, right? It's like, do you know that there are more people in Burma now than when I started? In fact, I see them multiplying pretty much like fireflies and flashlights and all kinds of things that multiply. Not snakes, because they're adders, you see. <laughs> anyway, so there are more people out here than when we first started. Plus, we're introducing them to my good friend Jesus, who also wears two monocles because he likes to see deeply into your soul, unlike I mean, one, I want to see the left-hand side of your soul. Actually, pretty much the right-hand side of your soul because the left-hand side of your soul is pretty much socialist. So, we're doing wonderful work out here. God's work, Jesus' work, we're bringing what's left of the free market to those who have mercantilist and monopolist aspirations to the throne. So, I don't know what you're talking about. Why on earth would you say something like that? Uh... Eh, just because you're white. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Please go to freedomainradio.com slash donate. I promise to use it to buy monocle polishes, which give me the sight of lasers to cast philosophy across the night sky of the entire universe. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful evening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>